0: This week on Main, we have Greg Caldwell from Retrotainment here to talk about Haunted Halloween 85, 86, and Full Quiet.
1: I think I'm more of a Tammy than a Donnie.
2: I'm still fending off the zombies.
0: To uh, Nintendo Main Episode One Forty Four. <laughs> Welcome to Nintendo Main, our haunted Halloween episode, where you get to hear this <laughs> as many times as you can. That's my, it's uh, my lightning bolt, my lightning bolt effect. That I might not use any more than that. That's a very
2: offensive lightning bolt, as far as volume and oh, it's very is, disturbing. Is, yes. Is, So then this this is probably going to be really loud, too. Welcome to your doom. (laughs) I like that better.
0: Anyway, we are here. This is our Halloween episode, episode 144. We are your hosts. I'm Trey, partner party is Broken Johnson.
1: I'm Jeremy. What if Cappy was in Star Trek? Mikowski.
0: I'm Johnny Sunshine. Welcome
1: Welcome. to your doom.
0: Welcome, yes, welcome to Nintendo main. This is our Halloween episode. Um, We have a special guest later, as I mentioned at the top, who does homebrew NES games, which we've talked to uh, one of the designers at MGC. But this is one of the main guys, the producers of the game, to talk about their new game and uh, their old games they have. So stay tuned for that later. But first up, let's start off the show like we normally do and talk about what we've been playing. Or bought. Here, let me start off with my nickname. So I've been playing Mario Party still with Jess, and uh, I I'm convinced that Partner Party is completely broken, and I demand them to remake it. It really annoys me. Partner Party. So Partner Party is the new mode on Super Mario Party, where you play on a team of two, you know, and we and the way the game works is we mentioned this on the other one, but you play through different parts of the game, and you unlock these like jewels from like defeating all of the levels or whatever and we've been trying to <laughs> we're trying to beat the partner party and we're playing against the computer and the computer like cheats incredibly but you know they get the right dice rolls and all that but there's two major problems with the partner party number 1 you have to land on the exact space of the of the star you can't just walk past it which is incredibly annoying so like if if the star is like only like 5 spaces away from you and you roll like an even number, you will never be able to make it to that space. So if you go through the whole game constantly rolling even numbers, the board will be against you through the whole game. That and the computer player. So that's why we lost, like, the first two times, because we couldn't get the stupid fucking star. That's one big thing that I think's broken about that. And also, there's no fucking spaces where you can even steal stars from the other team. I feel like that would like, you know, make the game a little bit more balanced, but that's not in there either. Anyway, but partner party, I kinda hate it. It's like my, <laughs> I hate that mode more than anything else. Even though it kind of seems like maybe it's a little bit more fleshed out than the other stuff, because there's more stuff to do on the boards there. It's just annoying. That's my rant. It's my partner party rant. I'm going to make sure and say it, because that's the game that I've been playing that made me really angry. We played that River Raft game. That game's kind of fun. But the partner party, broken. Fix it, Nintendo. And I did finally <laughs> get, I did get to do a survey. They did send me a survey, and I let them have it. More I More
1: like partner shardy.
0: I didn't tell them how broken the partner party was. But I did talk to him about how they needed DLC and online play and all that stuff. So,
2: has your uh, ranking changed at all as far as where this one stands in the whole bunch?
0: I mean. I mean, it's still kind of in the same place
2: it was before. Where I said it's better mm-hmm. than the
0: past two console Mario parties, but it's not as good as the GameCube ones, or even the Wii one. I don't think. I don't think it's as good as eight. Even, but you know, it's kind of it's a step in the right direction. But there's still
2: some to be, there's still stuff to be desired. I guess is where I can get at it. But I'm the, still, mad that they didn't put an online mode. Like, like I'm not even considering it. Yeah, They're, they don't put a proper online mode. It's just crazy to me.
0: It's it is a really weird misstep. I don't know why they left that out. They could have made the whole game more appealing to have an online mode on there. And hopefully they're right. feeling that now that they're sending out surveys to people, hopefully everybody's saying that. And I think they are because who wouldn't want that? I think everybody's been dreaming about that to happen from Mario Party for a long time. And it's just not just not been happening.
1: Ever since the Wii. Dicks we thought, hey, online we can maybe play Mario Party together yeah. someday.
0: Yeah, actually, another game that I've been playing that I don't want to forget about. Uh, Jeremy and I we played the Splatfest last weekend, and our team lost.
1: Oh no! We completely lost.
0: We played on the t- well, we played on Team Trick, but Treat Trick would have won. But Treat had so much more clout than everyone else. It, it even <laughs> said it. It even said it in the We're game when I turned it on. It said there was more clout. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Treat Treat won like more wins and more clout and.
1: Treat turned us.
0: Even though Trick Trick had the most votes, so there were there were more people on Trick, but Treat still won. So, that seems to be what happens every time in that show. Whenever whatever gets the highest vote still loses. It's kind of like America, you know. It's a, where you know, even, <laughs> even though you win Maybe the pop, were, even though you win the popular just, vote, you still don't win. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Maybe they were more encouraged because they thought that they mistakenly would like actually win a treat if they won. So they had more incentive. Yeah, but they but less people voted for Treat, but they cool. but they were
0: better players. It's basically what happened. <laughs> they won. They won more matches, so they won in the end. And their clout was was gigantic.
1: Their clout was off the <laughs> charts. It's like here's our clout. I have to get a uh, vertical camera to show you their. Mm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Actually, another thing that we were playing last week, we were talking about that tournament that Jeremy and I were doing for Medieval Madness, and it turns out that we didn't make it a private tournament, so when i went back to look at it like pretty much right after we recorded last week there was there were people who had like what 250 million it points. was stupid <laughs> <laughs> so jeremy and i went to went from being a uh, it went from being first and second to being like twelfth and fifteenth. <laughs> the... Yeah, you were
1: you were very last, and I was two spaces above you. Yeah, so I was pretty third much. from the last out of like yes, yeah, sixteen or seventeen people.
0: Yeah, I thought it was like eleventh, and well, I don't know what the final one was, but when I looked at it, it was like uh, it was like eleventh and thirteenth, I think. But it's pretty hilarious that all these people came in and played and just destroyed all of our.
1: I understand though; it's fun to, to like get high scores, yeah. so. I uh I actually didn't I saw you set up a portal tournament but I haven't even tried yet.
0: Yeah, I did. I, I did set is up a it portal over tournament. already. Um, uh, I think I put it up for a week, maybe, or maybe it's cool. over. I don't know.
1: Do I need a code for it, or is it is it just a friend thing?
0: Well, yeah, I think you have to put a password in there to make it a private one. I I, I messaged it on the one the whatever. I, it's our message was a uh, was nice hat, which now everybody who's listening to this will know that. But oh, <laughs> but shit. maybe it, but maybe it'll be over. After that, but yeah, the more fun tournament stuff. I can't wait till you get to play the real uh, medieval madness because I think I think that the I think the video version is a lot harder because I've gotten much higher scores than the real pinball. Like I got like am going to be I got two hundred million something
1: fly around a little bit.
0: Like I've gotten like two hundred million on the on the actual one, so I feel like I don't know. I feel like it's different a little bit.
1: It doesn't have that z axis. We talked about this.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. And it might. I don't know. We were playing. It, Jess and I were playing it, and it, it, maybe she was saying that maybe it's a little bit off, like the re- like the response time, like when you click the button when the flippers happen. I mean, compared to oh, playing really? the actual pinball, you know. But
1: which we'll, is a very physical
0: yeah, experience. Which we'll decide that when you when you when you get up here, we'll actually we'll get to play. some. Yeah, game. next week we will play some real hopefully some real I, medieval. I, maybe madness. I'll even be
1: able to talk about it when we. Uh, we record next.
0: Well, you'll be here in person on Wednesday, so we'll have two-thirds of the show being live. So,
1: Which I am seeing a concert that night, but I think it should be. I should be available by midnight or one that night.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't expect it to go late until like one or two, but we'll, fi- we'll figure it out. I was going to say your mission at the—I uh, was going to say it'd be fun. If we can make it a mission at the um, meetup to see if we can get a guest for Wednesday on Tuesday <laughs> from the people yeah, that are well, there.
1: If we don't, I'd have a guest for us.
0: Oh, do you know? Is it a? Yeah. Is it pinball? Video pinball?
1: Yeah, the pinball guy. Oh, okay, especially if I'm going to talk about playing the actual machine by then. Sure, well, we'll see how it goes. He'll
0: be our he'll be our backup, and we'll see if we can get another guest from the people that are there. Uh, for this will be posting on Friday, but yeah, for anyone in the Chicago area, there is a another Nintendo Switch meetup held by Kevin of I Play Games. Kevin Fair, he's been on the show multiple times. You guys have heard him. He's uh, he's doing uh, yeah what like three times now yeah uh, three or four I think but uh, but yeah he's doing a uh, he's doing a Mario Party tournament there'll be a Splatoon tournament there too I'm sure because I always do Splatoon tournaments but yeah come check that out I'll be spinning uh, I'll be playing the Halloween mix for WRT Radio which should be posted by the time this episode is up so I also reworked one of the older Halloween playlists so you can hear that as well so yeah come hang out say hello to us in the in the flesh. Will be dressed up as stuff. Jeremy might be as a uh, next generation Cappy, or maybe a different one. Who knows?
1: <laughs> maybe a different. It'll it'll be a next generation something.
0: Yeah, you'll be someone. Maybe we should explain a, what you look like right now, so people have context. Oh yeah, for people at home who don't have well, who, yes. how would they see it? We don't we don't post this in video form, so
1: yeah. I have a uh, classic gold next generation Star Trek uniform shirt. Got my pips on, indicating that I'm a lieutenant much like uh, I've got the same ranking that both Data and uh, Jordy had, and I guess like mm. up to like the third season. And then uh, I am wearing a Mario hat with the eyes on it.
2: Yeah, you also have a Cappy hat on, which indicates that you are actually Mario as well as a captain.
1: And I made these pretty quickly out of just some foam idling around. I'm actually kind of happy with how they came out. You know, it's obviously just permanent marker on foam, but...
0: <laughs> yeah, it looks fine.
1: I traced it. I like put the foam up against my screen and literally traced an image of Cappy's eyes. And then mm-hmm. I didn't have a red marker, so I gave him green eyes. Oh, it's good enough. I'm convinced. Yeah. not as nice as the ones you have, but I threw it together pretty damn quick.
0: Yeah, mine have. Mine have like string on them or something. This it has like a fishing line through the through the hat. I thought about wearing that for this episode, but I didn't. If I needed... you didn't, I. <laughs>
1: Or if you had, I have many other hats I could have put on. Mm-hmm. I have a squid hat, for instance, that I thought about putting on if you wanted to wear your Mario hat.
0: Mm, yeah, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> anyway, what uh, did you buy anything this week, Jeremy?
1: I did. I, think I you bought, bought something. Uh, a game by a person we're going to be speaking to soon. Uh, well, he was involved in it. It wasn't exclusively by him, but uh, "Haunted Halloween '86." Yeah, I played yeah. this game a few times at conventions. I think. Well, at this point, I guess I would have played it twice. Because I think they showed it off at uh, Portland last year, and seeing all the stuff on Facebook or not on Facebook on Twitter about um, Portland has made me kind of sad that I couldn't make it this year. But it was wh- it was just out of my budget this mm-hmm. time around. Um, also, I still kind of stand by that I think Midwest Gaming Classic is better, but maybe I'm despised.
0: I think it's maybe um, a little bit more intimate because you did say it was super big, right? And yeah, the, the yeah, lines, yeah. To look at I mean, stuff,
1: there's a lot of retail space, but there's it's multiplied by a lot more people so it still felt like it was hard to get up up all, all up on them tables and really look at what was available to buy. Yeah. Whereas Midwest Gaming Classic also, you know, thinking about taking that all on an airplane, I had to sort of plot that accordingly.
0: Oh yeah, you can only buy as much as it can fit in your bag. It's not like you can throw it in a car, you know. Yeah,
1: but I, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I bought A86, um, Haunted Halloween 86. It's a lot of fun. Um, sort of Reminiscent in art style to like Retro City Rampage, but it's not a true beat em up. It's an action, it's more of an action fighting game. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the enemies can be dispatched, uh, right? Most of the enemies can be dispatched fighter. with a few hits. They may have a specific weakness or you know, a weak point, but you also have the option of just trying to speed run through everything. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't hold you back like some beat em ups do where you have to de- defeat everything on screen, you can just keep going. Um, you cannot go to the left. So it does have that classic
0: feel in that regard, too.
1: So once once something goes off to the left, the ram gets rid of it. It don't exist no more.
0: Mm.
1: But um, it's fun. I mean, I've only gotten to the first boss, but the boss was tough. But I think if I just go back and play him three or four more times, I'm going to understand his patterns a little better. I think I was starting to figure it out my second run. It, It does kind of... So you have to collect these soda cans to increase your continues, or I guess your lives whatever you want to call them. I feel like they're more like continues, but they're represented by these soda cans and uh, you want to make sure you grab all those. And sometimes there actually is an advantage to speed running through it because you want to conserve your lives. And when you're engaging more enemies, you're just more likely to run out of energy. And I I really like the energy gauge in that game. It's a, you just sort of become more and more greenish colored until you turn into a zombie and you're dead. Yeah. So no every time you take a hit, you just look a little more your, your sprite just looks a little more like beaten up and zombie like, and that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like, that there's that real time health bar indicator yeah, instead sure. of an actual health bar.
0: Yeah, no, I I was watch, I watched some of your uh some of your Twitch stream after the fact. And uh yeah, I I noticed that that it was that he turn turn greener as as you uh go through. And you can kinda like if you get super green you could switch out to Tammy right? and then go, I I remember seeing you do that too. So I did. Yeah. You essentially,
1: you essentially have two different characters at all times. So if you're careful about it, you know, and it's kind of like DK, like the Donkey Kong Country games, where Like if you fall down a pit, then you lose both of them. But um, yeah, in this case, like uh, you might like switch to your other character and then you get, you get to a piece of candy corn. And if you're smart about it, you know, you don't collect that with the character with full health. You switch back to Tammy.
3: Oh yeah. From, yeah. You know, Donnie. Of course, yeah. And and
1: I said earlier, I'm more of a Tammy. I think I just like her character more. I think she's more fun. I think that her attacks are identical to Donnie's and how like the hitbox of it works. Maybe I'm wrong, but mm. the animations are different. Yeah. Something about that's kind of fun. Um, but yeah, so I'm definitely more of a Tammy than a Donnie in that regard. Do they have that's like my statement at the top of the show?
0: Do you think they have like different stats? Like maybe she's faster does, and he hits harder or something. I don't
1: know. It kind of does seem like maybe she moves faster. You know, I'd have to go back and play it again now mm-hmm. that you mention it. It did feel like she was more agile, but once again, that might have been since her animations are different. That could make it feel different.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, I I really like the game though so far, and
0: yeah, it's great. Uh, I mean, especially I, I
1: hope to get a little further in it. So far, I don't think there's any sort of save system. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. It's pretty old school in that regard, mm, so even on, that's why yeah. it's like I'm really just going to have to buckle down and focus because um, there's no save states.
0: Yeah, even on Steam, there's no way to save it. But they want you, I guess they want you to have the feeling of the original, of the NES cartridge, so what they, you know, they want you and to, they to go it. through it in I one mean, I, I'm not playing
1: it on the original hardware in this regard, but I have played it on the original hardware you know, at the conventions when we've tried it. So I know it runs well, and it's a, they're damn spiffy-looking games. They look like, you know, they're right up there with, like, the late model 91 through 93 mm-hmm. NES games that you're, like, where they were maximizing the potential of the, the hardware because yeah. they were just trying to eck every penny out of that
0: thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they look a lot better than uh, most of the original stuff. I mean, there's not really... I mean, I've seen it, and I think, I mean... It's I can't think of a whole lot that could compare to it really. Like they do a lot of good like uh sprite rotation and stuff that you know that was pretty much top of the line then.
1: The the, the layered backgrounds and foregrounds are pretty cool too. I think it creates a lot of atmosphere. Yeah, yeah Especially in like a spooky game like this, you can mm-hmm. do some oh, cool the stuff, making it even creepier with the what's happening in the foreground and the background.
0: The clouds on clouds, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Speaking of stats, I did. There wasn't there was another thing that I played this week. We we uh, we tried that Battle Brigade game. Jess and I did play. Uh, okay. played the Battle Chef Brigade. Uh well, basically, <laughs> we kind of just jumped right into the multiplayer. And I think the multiplayer's. I, I found out later that the multiplayer was added on later, so it was kind of made for people who had already played through the single player game. So we mm-hmm. still don't understand how the game works fully. Like we played it for a while, but I don't. We don't really know what we're doing in it. It's, it gets kind of complicated.
1: Is it at all like overcooked?
0: Uh no, not okay. no, not at all. Basically, it's kind of
1: how I visualize it. Just because that's the only other cooking game on the Switch.
0: No, it's basically so it's there's a cooking. It's like a cooking competition, and there's judges, and these, and you'll basically. There's, like, an area where you have three different cooking areas. There's, like, your slow cooker and this other thing and an, and another thing, whatever. They all do different things. And you can leave this area and go fight monsters to get stuff to cook with is basically what you do. So you leave that area and you go fight people. And you can gather stuff and you can only carry so much. So you can run back into the judgment area and drop off your ingredients and then go back out and, and do more stuff. And you give like you get a certain amount of time to do everything, to, like go kill all the monsters and get all your shit and cook everything and present it to the judges so that's basically it'll be like hey you have 10 minutes to do this to make this thing that has a little bit of this ingredient and each ingredient ingredient has like a different color to say what it is or whatever but we couldn't really figure out like how to like appease the judges in that way was kind of what we were confused about and like what
1: because uh, so each of the judges have preferences and you got to learn yeah them. Yeah, they Make want dishes that they like.
0: Yeah, they they want you to have a certain amount of a type of ingredient in there, and it was either like we would like, they would be like you want water, and it's like, oh, you have no water, or it's like, oh, you have too much water, and we just couldn't figure out like what what we're doing wrong because you would do like something that was like a hundred that had like a hundred point grade, but then it would end up with like a twenty because because the judges didn't like it because it was missing water or whatever, so it's like. It's kind of confusing, but we figured if hmm. both of us would try to play through some of the single player, we might get into it more because the single player stuff is like it's kind of like kind of RPGish even. Like you're in towns and you go around and you can like sleep and you know stay in inns and you know buy buy, equi- buy equipment and stuff, and it's like an adventure. So, but it's good. It's like fully voiced. Buy knives. It's like fully voice acted. Like all the characters look really good. The animation's really good on it. Really I, good. I'm
1: interested in any games involving cooking because I do yeah. that for a living. So, well, the cooking. You know, I always wonder: is there, is there, you know, where, where, where does this fall in line of with real world cooking? Uh, I
0: would say not at all because the cooking is basically <laughs> like the cooking is is basically like playing Tetris Attack, sort of.
1: Oh, that is pretty accurate, actually.
0: Because you're rotating these, <laughs> you're rotating these spheres around, and if you get like three of them in a row then you'll level up whatever that is which i still don't really know where that how that works so maybe we like need a
1: puzzle fighter
0: kind of approach. sort of yeah may, when you come up here we'll have puzzle to
1: puzzle quest i mean
0: yeah when you come up here we'll have to try it out because it's we don't really understand how the cooking and judgment works on it but but fighting monsters is fun. Everybody has different magic powers, which you figured the tr- out. How to the do. truth of
1: the matter is, if we <laughs> play multiplayer with people at this meetup, we're going to learn better that way.
0: True. Well, I mean, like any
1: multiplayer game, you just have to jump into it and get yeah. your ass kicked until you understand what you're
0: doing. Well, I was yeah, on the last one, I was watching somebody play it, and they were and and I was just asking them what was going on, but I still had no idea. Like you have to actually play it yourself to figure it out, but. Maybe maybe if they start playing it at the end again, we can hop in and get some uh I don't know, get some advice from them on how to play and we'll figure it out.
1: It can be uh yeah, they can be our sensei.
0: Yeah, but I want to I want to try it again. And uh, speaking of Overcooked, there is there is a, a multiplayer game or there's a mini game in uh, Super Mario Party which is basically exactly Overcooked. <laughs> it's the same game. Really so, yeah. Yeah, there it's where you um it's not it's not as complicated but it's like a it's like a team game where you have to grab certain food and bring it to and bring it to cooper or whatever and that's how you beat the game so yeah so there is an overcooked game in there course so.
1: course out his food give him a salad then give him like
0: but you don't have to like cut up you don't have to cut up the food or cook it or anything like that you just kind of uh... put you just kind of put it together It's like bring me a tomato and a lettuce and uh this thing that looks like, it looks like a napkin which we call the napkins over in the corner. But yeah,
1: use too many napkins.
2: Yeah, but that's that's what
0: I've been playing. Yeah, do you have anything I've been
2: else? Playing more of uh, Arizona Sunshine, which I talked about a little bit last week, but I really actually figured out how to play the game this time. So you're again in Arizona Sunshine. You're you're trapped in a room, and you've it's part escape room, part zombie survival game. So you got to figure out your way out of the room from room to room, uh, looking for keys and. Um, I actually determined my way out of the, the first room by, uh, I figured out that there was a, a grenade hidden somewhere in the level and you pull the pin out of the grade and throw it at a wall at a certain spot and you can blow it up that way. And you, so you don't have to go through like certain doors or whatever. Um, that's when I kind of realized, Oh, okay, this is a little bit more, more than I even thought. I thought it was just like kind of an arcade shooter at first you actually have to get creative in in your way to progress out of the, the the space. And then I realized also the second big thing that I realized was you can crawl out of windows. Which again, this is a VR game, so you have to actually duck down. Those they're like windows that are all boarded up, but um, so they just kind of look like you can t- like take a peek through through them. Mm-hmm. But if you actually lean your body a certain way, crouch down to the ground and stick your head through the window, and then there's a teleport maneuver, which um, if you teleport, if you lean your head through the window and you teleport forward, you can actually crawl out of the window in hmm. VR. Weird. That's something that I kind of figured it out because one of my, one of my friends who was playing the game, he, he glitched outside. I didn't realize that you could like, get out. No. of the, the mansion area. He glitched outside by by accident, or so or so we thought. And I'm, I, I just kind of like played around with it a little bit more and realized, oh, if you lean a certain way, you can actually crawl out the window, which I thought was pretty cool. Any time in, in VR that you can do something, that you get an idea, can I crawl out the window? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you just actually like do it. I think that's the best VR experience when it's just something yeah. that you you would do like in real life and you can just actually make it happen. And you don't like, that's like, yeah. a, that's
1: a true definition of realism. Like think exactly. of the idea in the real world and then actually execute it. Just
2: try it and do it. And sometimes there was a little bit of a hiccup because you know, the technology is not perfect, which is kind of what I experienced with calling out the window. Cause it didn't work for me until I kind of figured out the exact way that I had to maneuver out. But once I got it, I got it and it was cool. And I just, I just love that kind of thing. Cause mm. that's what, you know, as as a console game, it, it might be, you know, not that different from from a Call of Duty, but it's that cool stuff when you can, like, pick up an item and examine it from a certain angle and find something new. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it unique to VR. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. It's an awesome game. And you don't, like, fall through the ground once you
0: leave the house? It's not like that sort of glitch?
2: No, no, no. There was no glitches like that. Yeah. It's a pretty solid game. It actually... Um, It looks very polished. Mm.
0: It's like, I was just thinking, you know, like one of those Tony Hawk games, like that happened to me where I was, uh, I think it was the Area 51 one where I like jumped over the fence by accident. And then I just fell through the ground and I was just in the ground, you know, (laughs) that's what I always think of in in glitching games, you know, where you just, when you go somewhere that you're not supposed to be and they didn't like build a solid ground. So you just fall forever into the, into the (laughs) ground. There's no
1: rules for that. Yeah. For that, those polygons or whatever, mm-hmm. like they don't have collision detection or whatever. So if you just, yeah. even if there's something there, it's not meant to be interacted.
2: With. Yeah. So thankfully, it doesn't. You do score that. some so good bonus points for falling through the ground. No. How <laughs>
0: you, many
1: kick
2: you flips? Did, did you you, all you all just. Well, I think <laughs> you
0: can kick flip forever, but you also can't land because there's no ground. So.
1: Oh, uh, so the multiplier just keeps going up, but it doesn't. Yeah, because
0: you're like stuck in. Because you're stuck in the void. You're in the ground void.
1: Skater Limbo, man. It sucks. I can ollie forever, man, but I can't nose grind anymore.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> You never land, so you never get your points. That's cool, though, that you can actually go outside the house and do shit like that. For sure. Did you Did you progress more on the messenger? Do you have any messenger updates for us?
2: No messenger updates this week. No. No, I've been busy with life stuff going on. Yeah, life uh, stuff.
0: That's not important. To play games. Yeah, not important. Yeah.
1: That's what video games are for, to get away from that stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> maybe next week we'll have, we'll have a message. Maybe next week. week. We had that for a couple of weeks in a row, and it was always cool to hear where you were at on that. So, I'm still stuck at that, uh, that, that demon guy. Oh. I thought, I thought he wasn't that hard. But maybe, I don't remember. But yeah, hopefully you know, you'll be able to play it some more at some point. Did you want? I did to, have
1: one more thing that I wanted to talk about. Do you want to talk that about I that? Did this week? Okay, what you got there? Which required no purchase, but I don't yeah, know. It's, Stealer. I, I figured I'd mention it. <laughs> I uh, finally tried out putting some extra ROMs on the SNES Classic Because I had like three of them.
0: Decided to become a pirate. I'm, I'm kidding. Well, That's I fine. put on <laughs> games that I already own. Yeah, no, I'm, it, I'm you just know, on various time.
1: consoles. Um, for the most part, I did try some other ones out, but right now I feel like I've got this like perfect portable. Super Nintendo solution because I've got my modded SNES controller, blah, blah, blah. I talk about it all the time. But yeah, this mm. is my favorite controller. It's mm. wireless. What it's control? the original SNES controller. Then I've got my <laughs> wireless adapter. I've got the SNES Classic, and now I've got Chrono Trigger on it. It's That's amazing.
2: amazing. I That's love amazing. it. And,
1: um, I will tell you, I was, sup- I was really intimidated by it at first, even watching YouTube videos, but it was really easy to do. There are risks involved. I could have bricked it if something had happened during the transfer process, I could have bricked it. So I was really nervous, but I got it to work for the most part. It's there's some games that I don't think would work right still, which is why. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to try to load this up with like every SNES game. I'm just going to, I just wanted to put a few extra games on there, Uh but the software I use actually puts it into the main interface. It looks like it belongs there. It has all the same save state options, and it even like during demo mode, it even will like play the games. So that's really cool.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Like, do you have to do you have to play the game for it to have something to demo, or will it just randomly yeah. play a video?
1: Mm-hmm. Which is, okay. I mean, it's like that for all the games.
0: No, I mean, not. I mean, the SNES it'll demo stuff that you haven't played.
1: Oh, really? SNES okay. I didn't realize that. But it. Well, I mean, because they're I had already on there. I intentionally yeah. made a, a video file or. A save state for every game just because i wanted it to do that specifically but i uh yeah for the for this i yeah it's cool i've been playing a lot of um demon crest which i don't own but oh yeah that game's fun
0: I, that game's hard but yeah no, especially I, I,
1: well with save states
0: it's yeah really fun. I, I like it but it's it's difficult i think i have i actually have demon crest on new 3ds uh, i got that I think that was part of my, when I bought a whole bunch of Capcom games at once.
1: That was one of the first, I think one of the first SNES virtual console games to come to the 3DS. Mm,
2: yeah. And I also um, have... How do you actually uh, go about transferring the games onto there? Like, how did you hook it up to your computer? And... Probably through the well, USB, right?
1: Yeah, it's got the USB port on it already, because that's how it's powered. Oh. So I had to download oh, a okay. program yeah. called um, Hackchi. It's actually called Hackchi 2. It's like whatever the newest version is. You download that and then what you do is you hook up the SNES to the computer. It detects it like any other USB device and then you go through the software and you upload the kernel. I don't know a lot about computers but the kernel is really important. It's like how the whole thing runs. Mm. Um, you take that out. need the kernel. You literally take it out of the SNES Classic. It was harrowing. I was like, am I really going to like take th- this thing out of here? But I did. It's on my desktop then you upload a custom kernel, which comes with the software, and that's what makes it. And once you do that, then you can upload games, but it's a little convoluted even after that point, because you have to hold like the po- power button and like the reset button up for a while when you turn it on or something at a certain point to get it to work properly. And then also like for some reason I can't get it to connect anymore, so I might just be stuck with the few extra games I added, which I'm fine with that, but You know, at least I didn't brick it, but it does seem like there's a little bit of like wonkiness to the whole scenario. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I have it, but I have the kernel. It's like, keep the, keep the original kernel. You can re-upload it eventually and then it restores it to factory default. So yeah, you can uh, put
0: it all back in case you decide that you don't want to do it or you want to sell it. Right.
1: Right. Which I don't know why I would, but, or if, you know, something was causing me trouble. With like, maybe and I thought, oh, well, it's because I've hacked it too much. Let's put it back to normal. But I've got a couple of these things and not, not that 80 bucks is not, you know, that's still expensive. It's not like I can just throw these things around, but I figured, you know, I I didn't want to hook up my Wii U in my bedroom. So I put a couple of the games from the virtual console on this thing and I'm happy I did because it's super portable and with my wireless controller, it's amazing. And I don't have to have that game pad around at all times.
0: Sure. Thanks. Nice you don't wanna you don't wanna sleep with the gamepad next to you it's like such a great thing I to would sleep crush with it with you. my face, yeah <laughs> no you just don't sleep on it, just keep it on your thing in-
1: inevitably my face would crush it mm. I will resist it yeah no I mean, I, those are my nightmares
0: i'm I'm really interested to see to see like what you've done like i, I want to take a look at it whenever you come up
1: here yeah, next yeah I'm week, bringing so. it up with me um so it's like I said it's cool, yes it is on that moral it's in that moral gray area of well, this is Nintendo didn't product test this and make sure this was okay, and yeah. let alone you know obviously there's a reason why some of these games couldn't have been on the console for licensing reasons. But at this point, I've bought all these games so many times that I just I kind of like had a little doesn't really matter a yeah. little, little conversation with myself and was like you know what do this it's gonna be fun you're gonna feel smart even though it's so easy to do. Well, didn't uh didn't it, a f- it was reward it was a rewarding experience. Well, didn't
0: didn't a family I member that was just Cappy talking. I mean, didn't a family member encourage you to do it originally? Anyway,
1: uh, yeah, uh huh, yeah. I've had family members talk to me about it, like seeing them, and and, uh, and I knew it was easy. And I actually read articles and saw videos a while back that were like, "You should definitely hack it." Here's justification for why, you know, like there's like there's this whole like that angle anyway. And for me, I still think it's morally a gray area. But um, these are games I've bought multiple times and it's for me it's just an issue of convenience within my house like uh, it's not i have these games so i can still play them were i to delete them i'd still but um yeah so john like you were saying all i did was just like once once it's connected to the computer you upload the roms you have to flash it like give it a new flash you have to choose the box art by hand, it's not just gonna find it, so you have to like, Google for it and put in the screenshots. But the interface is pretty easy to find those. Uh, okay.
2: Yeah, I was uh, wondering so- about that. Um I'll, I'll like on the menu, it'll it'll just automatically add more slots for whatever games you happen to pop in. Yeah, it'll put up yeah. a picture, right? You like find a, a JPG
0: or something for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, you just do yeah. you find like, yeah, the JPEG of the mm-hmm. thing and then gotcha. it throws in. You can rearrange it. it. it'll it keeps track of the developer too, so um, if you if you go alphabetized by developer, it will put developer all the games by the same developer together, which I think is pretty cool too. Which yeah, like made my Donkey Kong Country games. Like I have all three of those, and they're in succession, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't mention I get I had those two Dragon Quest games I bought for Super Famicom, that yeah. I couldn't play because they're in Japanese. Well, I have those translation. Games in. Yeah, it's a fan translation on my yeah. SNES Classic, so yeah. I can play them now. I think that is a noble reason to put something on a console like this
0: yeah no that's definitely a cool thing to play like to play some of the games that never came out and all that you know here so there are well, guess they different. did but it's, not it's
1: in it's that vertical of horizontal the what the artwork for those games oh because
0: it's, it's Japanese you know, it's, yeah stuff
1: the, those boxes mm-hmm.
0: I yeah i I think it's cool um I, I definitely want to check it out whenever whenever it gets here for sure. And especially those, those, playing those games would be pretty cool. Translated. Especially six. Six is supposed to be the best on the, on the, uh, super Famicom cart. So it's a way to play it. So it'll be cool to hear about, hear more about that. Um, that's all you guys did, played for the week though, right?
2: Pretty much. All I got.
0: mm, All right. I wanted to have, uh, I want to do something a little different, like for this episode, just because it's a haunted, just because it's our Halloween episode. I wanted to just, I put together a quick top five best Halloween games on Switch that I was just going to run through really quick right here. For all of you listeners, I know we always talk about stuff that we bought, but I wanted to talk about stuff that you should buy if you're in the mood for Halloween games. So I put together a quick list, top five games. So let's do it. Uh, My number five, and some of these aren't completely in a particular order. I mean, it's not like, I mean, the five is five and one is one, but I think everything else can be kind of interchangeable. But uh, number five is uh, Vaccine, that game that I've talked about before. I mentioned it to John. For anybody who enjoys old-school Resident Evil games and wish that they could play a low-poly version of Resident Evil, that's what you should play. It's Vaccine. It's basically a perse- – perse- it's like one of those uh, randomly generated games where, like, it's a different – the the mansion is different every time you play. And you play till you die, and you basically are trying to get a vaccine for your friend who's dying on a bed next to you at the very beginning of it. But it has tank controls like the original Resident Evil, and it feels a lot like Resident Evil 1. And it's low-poly, and it's a lot of fun, and it's super cheap. That was like one of the first, I feel like that was one of the first horror games I probably got for the Switch, was that one. And I just wanna wanted to mention it again in case somebody's really aching to play uh, some sort of horror game on their Switch. You should go for that one. For Vaccine... Which is cool. It's got a, like I said, It's if you're into like older, if you're into like older uh, original Resident Evil stuff, it's totally worth it.
1: Would you say it, it injects new ideas into that genre? Ooh.
0: No. <laughs> no, I wouldn't use those terms because I don't like talking like that. But no, I would say talk
1: about vaccines. I would say that vaccine denier.
0: I would say that it vaccinates the world. of... No, I'm not. I'm not going to use that. Sure, it does that. No, (laughs) it's it's just it's just if you miss older games and you want to play a game like that, like an indie game like that, it's fun. That that's what I like about it because I like. I wish people did more low poly stuff. I mean, everybody's doing 16 bit stuff and 8 bit stuff, but there should be low poly games as well. So that's my number five. My number four, which you have this game, Jeremy. Is uh, Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon? Do you do have it, yeah. Uh, for all those people who loved Castlevania Three and wish that it was on the Switch, you can play a game that's kind of like that, sort of, where you get four interchangeable characters, and it's supposedly a pre, uh, it's a prequel to uh, to the uh, Ritual of the Night or whatever the new one, whatever that one comes out, the Eagle one. It was kind of like a Kickstarter bonus, but but yeah, that one was like. I think it was around like 10 bucks or something, but yeah, it's fun. I haven't fully beaten it yet, but I did actually start playing it again and it's still fun. But yeah, it's basically Castlevania. There's an Alucard like character in there. There's a character that plays like uh, the Belmonts with a whip. Uh, There's another magician dude that has like no range, but has like better magical powers. And and then there's a character with a sword as well, but you can, the great, the thing that's better than this uh, of this compared to Castlevania three is you can, uh, alternate between characters whenever you want so so it's a lot of fun if you're if you're looking for nes uh, castlevania type stuff and it's difficult you know or at least i, th- it I thought it was pretty. i difficult. still
1: haven't beaten it but i do recommend it this was the first game i bought with my gold points let they yeah. started that promotion where you could use your gold points towards mm-hmm. cash um i mostly paid for this game with that i think i ended up paying two dollars a little over two bucks for it yeah. It might have been less, you know what? I, I'd have to look back at our old messages. I might have gotten this for, like, less than a dollar.
0: Yeah, I feel like the game, I'm thinking about it. I when the game came out, I don't think it was all that expensive. I felt like it was around, like, $10. Like, I don't remember spending a whole lot on it. Of course, the Switch won't let you look at, you know, the price of the game after you purchase it, so I can't I can't check it and tell you. But... Right.
1: It won't let you know what the new sale price is either. Yeah, which is
0: really annoying. I guess it doesn't matter because you already bought it, but maybe you want to know to tell people on your podcast that you do every week. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that would make it make it make it yeah, a lot thinking easier. Thinking about the
1: podcasters, Nintendo.
0: Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Bloodstained is a super fun game. If you like, if you like Castlevania, definitely check it out. Um, number three, this one's uh, not a surprise at all because it was on my top ten games of last year. But Mummy Demastered, the uh, the number one Controidvania game on on Switch. <laughs> I think that's I think that's what we called it at uh, the. Uh... Also, probably the best game based on a Tom Cruise movie. Uh, probably the best game based on an awful movie, I think, there ever is, and there ever was. It would be on that list of, like, best games to come out of shitty movies, is that game. And actually, I don't think Tom Cruise makes an appearance whatsoever in the game, so you don't have to worry about that. But uh, the other dude is in there, um, fucking uh, Gladiator, what's his name, the guy that fights everybody? Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, yeah, he's in there. So you do have <laughs> That's you do, so weird. You, you do have so, his band. You do sort of have like a Russell Crowe <laughs> guy that gives you it, kind of like tells you where to go as you go through the game. But it's like, yeah, it's basically like you know Metroidvania, but with guns. It's Controidvania. It's a, it's great. There's 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 a uh, there's power ups through the game. Uh, there's all sorts of crazy monsters in there. Like it's very much feels like Castlevania. There's giant bats. There's leaping brains at one point. There's like all these different areas there's werewolves there's like uh you know giant it's funny it's great that they took the mummy and just ran with it and pretty much put any sort of monster in there whatsoever which i don't think got the
1: curse they took the mummy and ran with it
0: yeah yeah (laughs) but no it's a lot of fun to play i I actually beat it this year so it's it's very cool there's a lot of you know it's uh yeah it's a lot of fun it has um we, we actually talked about it last week in the when you were talking about uh Hollow Knight because it has that whole Dark Souls-ish thing where when get you get
1: your shit back by fighting yourself.
0: Yeah, when you die you turn into a zombie version of yourself and you have to go back and fight yourself. And it also takes all of your powers with them, so you have to go back and which there are like uh there are like vaults type things where you get um cuz you can only carry like so many guns at once, so you have to change some of your guns. So as a strategy you could like put some put like a a more powerful gun in that vault, so like when you die, you can come back and get it and go kill yourself again with it. That's a strategy that I saw people would do online, like leave one of the more powerful ones in there so you can use it when you're trying to go shoot back. But I just, I kind of just like you know would just kind of be wussy about it and just stand on the side of the screen and you know find a spot where I can shoot them and they won't go towards me and just shoot until it until it dies. But I had a lot of fun with that game. So if you're looking for a Halloween game, that's another one that's pretty cheap. Check it out.
1: I've considered that game multiple times, like yeah, I, even as a curiosity, it might uh, be worth the cost of admission.
0: It's definitely worth worth checking out. And uh, the next, the last two are kind of bigger ones, but they're totally worth it. Uh, my number two is uh, Resident Evil Revelations. I didn't want to, I didn't, couldn't decide between one or two, so I just put them as one pack, like one and two, because I guess in the physical version you can't get both of them, so. But yeah, anybody who likes Resident Evil and wants to play it on Switch, these games are a lot of fun. Like they basically, instead of doing all the boring uh, Resident Evil Five stuff, like making everything like overly action oriented and all that, they kind of decided to, especially one, they tried to make it a little bit more survival horror and go back to like, you know, go back, go back to where it's like more trying to just kill the zombies and not like, not like fight twenty of them at once. Even there are there, even though there are kind of action stuff. But the first one takes place on a boat too. There's never you never done a Resident Evil in a boat. It's like a mansion boat. But yeah, those games are a lot of fun. I played Res- Resident Evil Revelations one on my 3ds and liked it a lot. I didn't play it on Switch, but it's the same. I'm sure it looks better. But I did really like two a lot on Switch. That's another one that's on my list that I really really want to beat. But I was just thinking about that game and I was like, oh, I should go back and play that. But yeah, if you're looking for Halloween stuff, there's no there's nothing better than Resident Evil, and those are those are totally on there. And I'm sure you know you know what number one is, right? That one's pretty hard, pretty easy to guess.
1: It's yep, it's definitely uh, ukulele. Because <laughs> that casino scene.
0: It's uh, I never made it to the casino, so I don't know. Nor did I. It's it's definitely um... here. Let me give you a hint. <laughs>
1: You is sure it... do like that game. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: It's not that one. That song is in there, actually. But yeah, my number one Halloween game, of course, is Doom, which was my number one <laughs> game of last year. That wasn't Zelda or Mario. So, if you're looking to pay full price for a game and you haven't played Doom yet, play it. It's like one of the best. It's one of the best like reboots of a series that I've played in a while.
2: So, yeah, I just pretty great. Put my chess-based list... mm. yeah, the the whatever they call them, insta-kills, whatever, where you, you just hit the, you press the stick and Glory kills, and like, I believe is yeah. what they're called. Yeah. That's very satisfying. Yeah, where you, yeah, you basically,
0: you'll shoot somebody until they start flashing, and then you click the stick, and you get to break their head or stick your thumb through their eyeball or whatever. So, that's, and there's some really cool ones for the new Doom, which is coming to Switch as well, which I'm very excited about. But yeah, that's that's my Halloween list. I wanted to do a quick top five for you guys, in case you're like, hey, where are all the horror games at? Now you know. Now you know where they're at. And hopefully there'll be a companion piece on YouTube as well that you can check out on youtube.com slash ringmater. Let's just talk about the news really quick, and then we will cut to our interview with Greg Caldwell of Retrotainment. Which I for you know I wanted to say it before the interview, but shout out to uh, Human Thomas for the soundtrack on those games, on the Retrotainment games. Those, those soundtracks are great. I bought it from Bandcamp or something. I paid for it, however you had to pay for it. But I've used a couple songs and a couple different WRT Radio episodes, so it's been good to me. I've used it a few times
1: it's good uh, what i've heard i really like it's very and you know it exists within the architecture of the nes sound so it's very authentic
0: and according to our last interview uh human thomas did all of the sounds did this it did sound effects as well so congrats i know you weren't on the show but just want to give a shout out to you before we get to that interview but uh yeah let's talk about the news really quick there's not a whole lot to talk about but there are a couple things i did want to talk about um number one this is kind of a cool thing it's the 10 this week is the 10 year anniversary of the translation of mother 3 did you see that <laughs> isn't that crazy the <laughs> anniversary of the, English anniversary English translation. Of the fan translation yeah i thought that was kind of funny that people are talking about that it's been 10 it's years also 10 year anniversary of nintendo not releasing nintendo not caring yeah yeah right I remember – I because I, I was – at first I thought it was a 10-year anniversary of Mother 3, but it's not. Mother 3 was out before that. But Mother yeah. 3 in itself is such an interesting story to me because I actually read about it in Nintendo Power, like when it was going to come to 64 and 64DD 64 and all that. And I was like so – because I, cause I got to play Earthbound like when the Super Nintendo was still out. So, you know, I was in that zeitgeist at that time and I was so excited about a new – game and I was also so desperate for RPGs on the sixty four, so I thought that this Earthbound game was gonna come like save all of us RPG fans who had sixty fours and it never came out. And then later in college, you know, you hear all this talk about this that it got moved to Game Boy Advance and there's gonna be the sequel to Earthbound on Game Boy Advance and I'm like, Oh, this is that's so fucking cool and then it gets cancelled for America and then they rub it in our face by putting fucking Lucas in the in the stupid Smash Brothers game. (laughs) I got so pissed about that. I remember talking to John about it, to you, John, and you were like, mm-hmm. oh, well, it's Lucas from The Wizard, and I'm like, no, it's fucking Lucas from the game that they won't release here.
2: I hate them. I just pretend it was Lucas from The Wizard. Yeah, yeah. but
0: he's not, is, it It doesn't even, Lucas from The Wizard doesn't even reach the greatness of, of Earthbound, so it's like, yeah, it was just so, it made me so mad that they weren't going to release it here. Probably made everybody else mad too, especially these guys who did a translation ten years ago. But yeah, it's and everybody
1: been... who's in the comment section of a of a uh, Nintendo Direct video.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. It's just crazy that that's been ten years. Like it's like that's That's offici- officially uh, retro, right? According to Retronauts, that's uh, it's become it's become retro now is the fan yep. translation. And uh, you know, like we have like a just got. Uh, it was a. Um, a homebrew game, like somebody put the translation on a Game Boy Advance cart. So she played through all of it. Like Jess played through all of it on Game Boy Advance, like the translated version. And I played through, I played through some of it. I didn't make it all the way through, but we did buy it in a Game Boy cartridge, you know, because what else are you going to do really? You know, know. we kind of, so we do have that game of sorts, but
1: we'll see if we have a Game Boy classic, I'll help you or a Game Boy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll help you hack it on. Have
0: you put mother three on it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think we bought it. I mean, I think we got it for like twenty bucks or something like that. I don't feel like it was a whole lot. But uh, yeah, and found it on Etsy. And you
1: supported a DIY pirate.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there's no Nintendo. Like that's why I'm not really that upset about ROMs because like, there's
1: if, no other way to get it. Yeah.
0: yeah. If you're stealing, like, if you're stealing like games that are on the Switch right now, then I think you're a piece of shit. But if you're, but if you're like, you know, stealing ROMs that were never released here and Nintendo has like. You know, put their butt in your face about it for like ten years. Then, hey, fucking take it. <laughs> fucking take it. They won't let you buy it, so just download it. Download to your heart. Buy content, it as you know? soon as
1: they do put it up. And you know, and I think yeah. all of us feel that way about some of these games. Like, yeah. you put that game up, I'm gonna buy it. Yeah, and most importantly, right? more of a curiosity. Yeah, I'm gonna Why fucking don't you buy.
2: Just it? put it up. Yeah, and even now, like now, even more so because you can just release a game digitally which I'm sure it costs just, like, astronomically less than, yeah. than least yeah. the, the physical. So why not? You, you don't have, like, what do you have to lose? Just it's there. It on it's one of their
1: shot. aces in the hole. It's one of their things that they're going to use to sell other stuff. I'm almost positive of it. Mm-hmm. Like, we saw that with Star Fox 2, and, you know, yep. whatever. Whatever, for whatever that game was, it's fine. But <laughs>
0: It'll be I on think the... Yeah. I, I,
1: that, I see that strategy happening with Mother 3,
0: for it's, sure. It's going to be on the Game Boy Advance Mini. Or, or, I mean, we were, already, <laughs> we
1: were already talking about how it was going to be on the NES Online to try to sell the service, which it's not.
0: Well, yeah, on the sold Switch the Online for sure. Yeah, it would have definitely just that one game. Yeah, everybody loves that game. Well, everybody wants to love that game. You would have had
1: everybody getting one, uh, uh, you know, a full year subscription just so they could have Mother Three.
0: Yeah, I would love to play it legitimately. I mean, I liked playing the translation, but that's a fan translation. You know, it's not the. It would be cool if there's an official translation. And it's funny because the guys who made the fan translation, they even made a strategy guide for it as well. Like you can buy a strategy <laughs> guide that they made for for the like a, for the trans fan translation. That's how hardcore the Earthbound Love goes, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just crazy that it's been ten years since. Not even since it was released, but since somebody translated it, you know, mm. and then we could play it on a ROM. I just thought that was worth mentioning because Mother 3, the coveted the coveted game that we will never get. So, yeah.
1: Well, I'll get it. It'll just be with a bunch of strings attached to it.
0: Yeah. I would. Re- it, would it would be cool if they would just, if they would, like, I don't know, like, remake it or, like, not release it as a Game Boy ROM. Like, just make it, like, maybe spruce it up a little bit. Like, hey. Make the resolution do, a little bit you better. Were talking you know? about there's
1: not a lot of low poly games. Do a low poly Mother Three. <laughs>
0: if they do the Earthbound 64 Mother <laughs> Three, I would love to see that. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah,
1: do the 64 the DD that never happened. Yeah, I don't want to see
0: that. I have. I mean, I have Nintendo powers. Like with articles about that, like how and how that was on like the coming soon forever, and then it just never happened. Uh Mother Three. I, I like. I like 64 Mother Three. Even you know, but yeah ten years but on a a brighter note uh there's been a there's been a release date for maybe i'm probably the only one that cares about this but i think it's awesome dragon quest builders 2 is coming out this year at the end of the year i mean what that
1: explained your tweet
0: yeah i was happy that we got two dragon quest builders games in one year i didn't expect it yeah one at the beginning of the year and one at the end of the year got a nice dragon quest builder sandwich there yeah but no it's it got an announced date uh December twentieth, Dragon Quest Builders two is releasing is releasing simultaneously with PlayStation four, which is Please always which is always cool.
1: Riot Switch fans about Dragon Quest eleven not being on the Switch. Take this other builders game.
0: Yeah, but it's actually getting a simultaneous release as the other system, so that's good. That is
1: that is cool. That that's puts,
0: that's a good thing, and it looks that,
1: re- that gives gives it some legitimacy.
0: It looks That's really cool. Rather. There, I guess there's a multiplayer mode on it. It said you can play like four, player, four people at once on it, so I'm interested oh. in that. It also, I, I think it's funny the way they're kind of like making fun of their older games, sort of, like kind of poking fun at it. Because like, you know, Dragon Quest Builders 1 takes place in an alternate timeline of the original Dragon Quest game. And this, the second one, you are a descendant of the main character from that game, which I think is funny, because the first three Dragon Quest games we're all about descendants of each other. You know, they were all like descendants of Lodo and then three was Lodo, you know? So I think that's funny that like the new builder in two is the descender of the builder in one. So they're kind of playing on that old, the stuff from the old games and also dragon quest builders two takes place in the world of dragon quest two. So I think that's, I think that's neat as well. And it's another like, so are you going
1: to find dragon quest builders in there somewhere?
0: I don't know. Yeah. Right. That would be cool. I mean, well, I don't know who knows. I mean, I know you're on Featureless Islands, so maybe not. I mean, cuz there's mm-hmm. not really anything in Dragon Quest until you build it Sounds build, like a you a really you know.
1: Movie.
0: Featureless Islands. Featureless Islands. Yeah. <laughs> well, that well, that's where you got to build things. I'm just I'm excited about it and it gives me more uh gives me more want to f- finish the first one, you know, before the second one comes out. But it's just it's cool that there's another one. That's another game that will probably end up on my top 10 list at the end of the year, I'm sure. I mean, I already had Dragon Quest Builders 1 You not have there. much
1: time. To put it on your list.
0: Well, it comes out the 20th. It's, it's bit, it, I have 11 days to play it and see if it's uh, worth the year, right? But it is right well, at the end.
1: Well, when there. is our end of the year episode going to be? you got to figure that out.
0: Well, it'll be. It'll probably be the first week of January. That's what we did last year.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I'll, then you do have the full month.
0: Right. I, I don't like to... A lot of people like do Game of the Year stuff before the year's over. I always think that's dumb because you'll miss the cutoff. Like, I think they're doing... You'll miss
1: that December 31st release that's a sleeper hit.
0: Well, they did. Uh, I mean, last year Xenoblade Chronicles Two missed the cutoff. Not that I thought it was game of the year or anything, but it did. Nope. You, a lot of people had already done their list by the time it came out because it got so it came out so late into December. So, you know, you never know. But yeah, I'm excited about that. There's also uh, Rogue Legacy supposed to come out next month. I don't know if you ever played that game, but I always wanted to play that game on a uh, PS3.
4: Was, it was, was it
0: was it PS3 or PS4? it's basically a you know it's a, a roguelike, but basically you're a character and you die when you die like you come back as a descendant of that character and you'll have oh, different yeah I remember. you'll have different abilities yeah, and one of my favorite things in it is like sometimes you'll be reborn as a homosexual and nothing changes <laughs> none <laughs> of your stats change at all I thought that was a nice that was a nice little thing in there
1: oh because you don't propagate
0: because it doesn't it doesn't matter whether you're like. No. It doesn't matter whether you're homo, whether you're homosexual or not as to how well you can fight.
1: You oh, know? that's what. Okay, that's,
0: that's what basically you. what it is. I just
1: meant a thought as far as like, were they making commentary about descendants based on whether or not?
0: No, no, you can. I mean, you you can become a a gay person in there, but it doesn't change the way you are because it doesn't. Why would it? You know? They're slanging right. a message in there it wouldn't yeah, it wouldn't like that's you, what I you wouldn't be weaker or anything you. like that that's no, I like the, the message I, I is basically that saying that
1: nonchalant about
0: it is saying that why create division? I just thought that was cool that was a nice little added touch in that game, but I always kind of wanted to play it and that'll be on switch soon, so I'll definitely check it out but yeah, it's like you 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 might come back with like I don't know if it gets to the point of like where you'll be blind or whatever, but you'll be like the your character will be different every time you're reborn and then you like go farther into the game. A lot of people really like it, so I'm really excited to play it. That's that's on the horizon as well. What is it? I don't think I mentioned... This is kind of older news, but I didn't mention it before. Apparently Morphe's Mur, uh, Law is adding some stuff to the game to try to get players back, now that they realize that nobody really cared <laughs> when it happened.
2: So they're adding Aww. some new free modes. Is there any kind of anything happening community-wise around that game, or have people like, completely moved on? I mean, I don't really...
0: I, 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 cause looking at that story, I'm kind of like, how would I know if they did add stuff on there? Because I don't, I'm not really like turning the game on to see what happens, you know? Cause I haven't really played it much. I mean, I played it a little bit, but I haven't really, it's not a game that I go to, you know, when I'm playing on the switch, but how would I know? Like, I don't follow their Twitter or anything. I guess I would have to go to the Morphe's website or something and hope, wait for somebody else to talk about it, but just kind of funny. It's like, what are you, what are you going to add for free that's going to bring people back? A single player mode that might be interesting. I don't know. It is funny that they're like, oh, we need to. I guess we, we kind of dropped the ball on this one. Maybe we should try to do something to try to get people to play it. It's just kind of like mm-hmm. you know one of those things. It's so so. But I think the most, I think the most, the biggest news story of this week is uh, that Obama doesn't like Pokemon. <laughs> I forgot to mention that what? last week
1: Obama doesn't like Pokemon
0: did you see that there, no. there's a video I actually like the video there's a video that he released sure, he
1: likes the drone type Pokemon
0: yeah <laughs> well he did Sorry. I mean, he, he, did release a, he did release a video encouraging people to vote you know and there's a mm-hmm. line in there when he says like well, he's basically talking about excuses for not voting you know people saying like I don't care about politics and he's like well I don't care about Pokemon but that doesn't mean that it's that it's going to well, leave anytime He doesn't realize saved. that you
1: can use Pokemon Go as a way to get people to the polls. Just drop some lures by the polls. <laughs> yeah. <places.
0: laughs> yeah. It's a I, great idea. Yeah. I just thought it was funny that he said he doesn't care about Pokemon. It's a uh, lost our support. It's not like he's running for anything. But yeah. I just, we, uh, well, well he also called video.
1: Kanye a jackass, man. You know, you just can't take everything he says seriously.
0: <laughs> Kanye is a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> did he, did like he call him a jackass? Care. I would love to see a video of that. <laughs> it's like, well, uh, Kanye is he's a jackass.
1: Oh yeah, it's on YouTube.
2: Oh, there was uh, images released this week of Super Nintendo Land. Yeah, no, did you guys uh, see those?
0: That I was going to mention oh, no. because you had a you had a friend who was there, right? Yeah, uh,
2: my friend went to Universal Studios for uh, the Halloween Horror Nights, mm. and he said that he, he he saw them doing the construction. So I don't know what he saw exactly, and, and I don't think you got any pictures or anything. But uh, from the pictures that did circulate online. Uh, nothing is really distinguishable yet. It's just they're laying the groundwork. So it's happening. Super Nintendo World. So right now it's just Universal a few Studios. pixels.
1: Yeah.
0: But he didn't, mm-hmm. see, he didn't see like a Mario Kart or like a F-Zero car or anything like that. Like an R-Wing. No, I didn't. Just half made or,
2: or a, I don't know, a Bowser head just laying about. No, I'm sure he would have told me if he, if he did. Yeah. Um, he just said that he saw construction happening. And then, of course, if you look at those photos... It's
1: just... Did you see a guy that looked like Mario dressed in a construction costume? <laughs>
2: yeah. doing the Laying the pipes? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're putting Mario to work. <laughs> well, he's, uh, breaking, he's breaking down All the right. walls. You're
1: in between games right now. We need you <laughs> Do need
2: some to... Do some fucking plumbing. Look, you've had fun on Avengers for 30 years. We got yes. a plumbing job for you. He's a. We
1: we didn't help you pay off your journeyman's license. For no reason.
0: <laughs> well, he could also be doing the wrecking crew stuff. I mean, he did. Where he was a construction person at one point. That's he, true. He could be knocking down the walls of whatever ride they're turning it into. <laughs> what what were the pictures of? Were there anything like actual that you could tell what it was, or it's just like random? No, they have
2: a couple of overhead shots. Yeah, I really couldn't make anything of, of anything. It's just like they've cleared out the area where it's going to be, and. Uh, yeah, a bunch of nondescript stuff.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah. So
0: exciting. nobody really knows yet. Yeah.
1: But I, I mean, I, I'm hyped for it. I actually, if I ever go to Japan, I want to go to Japan. I want to, I want to go there for when that place opens at Universal Studios Tokyo. Or is it uh, Universal yeah. Studios Tokyo where uh, it's opening?
0: Oh, is there one in Tokyo?
2: Universal in, Studios? There it is, is in one Tokyo. Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. Mm.
1: And in the Super Nintendo Land is supposed to be like the Super Deluxe version is going to be the one Tokyo, it, which I don't know if they're going to be identical theme yeah. parks or what. But when right? are they going to? I think I think I think experiencing it in like the Japanese
2: in Japan would way be, awesome, would yeah. be yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, and it would be super. I don't know. It'd be kind of trippy because it would be the way it was supposed to be, so that it would feel a little different.
2: Mm, Great. Right. Like when you were a kid and you figured out that these games were from Japan, you thought that's what Japan looked like. Uh-huh. And if you went to Japan, you could like have super mushrooms and the hills had eyes and clouds had eyes and everything. Maybe in yeah. some, maybe in some no, parts of nah, Japan, you could go to Japan, and it could actually be that way.
1: Yep. And wearing overalls is cool for some reason. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you know when the time of that is? Like when they're supposed to launch the happens? Nintendo Land?
1: Time? I thought it was twenty like twenty one or twenty two.
0: Oh okay, I think so it's it, earlier than that. I think it. Is it? Yeah, I think it's earlier than that. 2020. It'd it'd be be worth checking out.
1: It's not 2019. I know that much because
0: yeah, so around the corner.
1: When are you planning on going to Japan, Trey?
0: I'm going there next year. I was like, it's not going to happen before I go, is it? Uh, We didn't. I didn't plan uh, going to Universal Studios, but I am planning on going to Tokyo Tokyo Disney. We were we were planning on going there because it's pretty cheap. You can go there for like 60 bucks a day. That's cheap, yeah. And and, in Japan, so we what's
1: lodging like in Japan? Have you looked into that much? Like, is there like. That's are there still, like Airbnbs uh, or hostels or whatever you could stay in?
0: Uh, Airbnbs are supposed to be the way to go, but we don't really know where to start yet on that. We're trying to figure that yeah. out. So we have time. To that's kind of. It. it's kind of. In, in but the, I am interested in for my own
1: purposes. when yeah. I inevitably.
0: Well, I'll let you know, make. of course, and we're and I'm going to bring I'm going to bring the recorder with us and all that, so I'll be recording stuff there when I go there. So. Hell yeah! You know because I'm addicted to all of this stuff. I think that's that oh, so could be
1: like exit two hundred two. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess. Uh, the, what? Uh, there's one more thing. There was that. There's that VR NES thing that you sent a link to. Oh yeah. And what's that about? Yeah. So
2: somebody has uh, made a. I think it uh, must be called NES VR, but you can load ROMs in as I as I understand it. You can load ROMs into this uh, emulator made for VR, and it will uh, automatically make it a vr game
3: Mm.
2: and i think there are several games like there's like a select few games that they actually went and retooled them to make them appear uh, like uh, as they want in an ideal way like obviously if you just load an nes game into a vr situation things are going to look kind of funky kind of weird but um yeah so you can play nes games on your vr headset which is pretty cool. Hmm. The I'm way just that it, of it as like, yeah. Oh, it's ahead. just basically like playing with a giant TV, right? That's just Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like the way that it is um, it's like there's a hovering quote unquote TV screen. And then if you look or you can look around the T V screen, you'll see some kind of basic background to like like for the Metroid game, it's just stars. Black. Yeah. So um, but the T V screen uh the NES game is kind of three dimensional and pops out so it looks like a diorama rather than just a flat game
1: that's kind of how i would visualize that
2: working yeah, yeah. which is pretty cool
1: so it lets you sort of like get a different view if you want to look down views. the scope on it which you know that's been around for a while like when they've done like even before VR, but they've done like, you know, Super Mario Brothers in 3D, where it's the original Mario yeah. first level, mm-hmm. but they plotted it out in such a way that you can like rotate yeah. around it and look at it, look down and see all the way to the end of the level from the beginning and and stuff like that. That's kind of how I would visualize NES games
2: being in VR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and you can like, except for instead of rotating the camera to look around, you're like, you are the camera, and you can you like lean it. in and mm-hmm. look Samus in the eye. Yeah, it's, it's
1: kind of put your head through the wall and teleport.
0: Yeah, <laughs> isn't it kind of like it's kind of like a super Paper Mario, right? Where you can just like turn the world and just look down. Where you can oh flip man, it what, and what make you, it 3D? Did, you
1: got to World Negative One and Super Mario Brothers by doing and just like, kind of what kind of what John was saying earlier? That would be well in th- in glitching through walls and VR. That could be kind of cool.
2: Uh, yeah. It's, cool. it's yeah. cool. I
1: mean, I've always dreamed of being like being Mario from first person. Could you do you that?
2: Actually, yeah. I didn't. I didn't think about that, but you could. Yeah, if you play. You Super could put Mario the camera button. inside
1: of Mario's eyes.
2: You could just lean over and put your head in Mario's eyes, and you could see his perspective. Yeah. A whole lot and
1: of you could see his whole like, brain is full of pasta. A
0: Whole lot of blockiness <laughs> is what you see. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want. I mean, unless it's kind of what it makes me think of is like some of those VR. There was, like, a VR thing where you could, like, watch a movie, like, and you pretend you're in a theater. Like, I felt it's kind of yeah. like that. You know, where yep. it's just a big screen and it's, like, off in the distance. Do you mm-hmm. remember the scuba headset? Do you remember that from the 90s? I think that could kind of do it, too. Well, it was supposedly. The scuba headset? It was called scuba, I think. Was that what it was? It, I, I found it in an EGM, like, in the 90s. And it was, like, a headset that you could wear. And it was basically, like, putting a TV yeah. on your head. There was the VR stunt master yeah it wasn't even vr it was just called it was just like a head it's just a thing you put on your head and it's like
1: it was called the activator visual edition (laughs) yeah oh yeah (laughs)
0: kind of i think it was called the scuba headset i'll have to look it up but i i I never really looked into ordering it or whatever but i was like oh that'll be cool but uh but it's pretty much this was the 90s so it had to have been just a screen that you plug your system into that you put on your head you know yeah so i don't know i did see uh I don't know if this is real or not. I did see a thing on Facebook of somebody advertising that they had made a Nintendo Switch 3D headset. Oh, I saw that too. Is that real? Yeah. The the Indiegogo? Yeah, someone made a VR headset for,
2: yeah. for, for the Switch.
0: Yeah, Nintendo Switch, but, NS glasses first
2: 3D headset for Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Oh, but I don't understand because there aren't any games that are designed to be VR. So what is it? are they gonna make their own like homebrew things for it, or or what? I don't know. It's gonna be
0: kind of like the scuba, right? <laughs> you just wear it on your face, and you're just wearing it on your face. I don't know.
1: Self-contained underwater? Yeah, I don't know how that would work.
0: They're they well, they're already t- almost two hundred percent of their tooth of their ten thousand dollar goal. So it looks like it will is it gonna happen. I don't know. I'm I'm interested. We'll have to we'll have to like stay tuned and report on it as it goes. <laughs> But I think that's enough news for now. We should uh, cut to the interview. All right. for our halloween episode we have greg here from uh retrotainment oh, what's up man? What's up, guys how are you
4: how's, how's it going? going greg uh, i'm i'm doing great uh it's it's nice to be on the show here
0: yeah for sure um so uh you just you were just at, at portland right at the portland uh retro Expo. uh how did that go i mean what is, were you guys um I, i'm sure you're still showing uh haunted halloween 85 and 86 there right are you
4: yeah, certainly, especially this time of year, it just falls in line with the uh, with the series being a Halloween series. So it's it's I mean, aside from it being an outstanding convention in general, it really times out nicely for us with the Halloween series
0: for sure. No, I, I I did I did have somewhat of an interview with uh, with Zach um, mm-hmm. at the at the Midwest Gaming Classic, and I just listened to it today to make sure because I didn't want to overlap too much of what we talked about there. But he did sure. met he did mention a little game called uh, Full Quiet. Were you is that Do you have stuff like uh, close enough to – I mean, do you have stuff that you're showing of that? I know you said uh, that it would be done around fall. I don't know if you guys are on schedule with that or –
4: Yeah, so uh, that was another big part of Portland for us was showcasing the demo of Full Quiet, uh, which is coming along nicely. Um, Our initial plans were to release it sometime in the fall. We might have to push into early 2019. Um, Portland was actually a big tell for us as – like how far in the process we are how much what we're doing is reading uh to the players um so it was really important for us to get real world feedback and that's one of the great things about these conventions for demo and games is you know the super enthusiastic retro community loves to to dive into this stuff and and gives us great feedback and and it really helps us
0: for sure yeah no that'd be awesome to be able to demo it um how how how, uh how big of a demo was it like was it a couple levels or how how long did you were you able to play it for? Before? so
4: the game's sort of um open world mystery adventure, so there's not levels per se um so we just showed one uh, I'll call it area of the game
3: mm-hmm.
4: um just like a snippet to f- get a feel for you know how people were reading um re- we're using hit scan we're not using regular bullets like Mega Man three bullets fly across the screen, and one has to purge before you can shoot the the next bullet so we're eliminating that and just going with, like, an instant bullet. So you ne- you don't actually see the sprite move across the, sp- the screen. You just see the muzzle flash, the direction you're aiming, and then the contact marks where it hits. Okay. So that's something that we weren't sure people were going – You know how they were going to react to that on the NES. Um, another thing is that it's – we're trying to build a fully realized three-dimensional world. So you're walking on an east-west path and you make a left-hand turn. You're now on a north-south path. So – was we you know we have like a little compass up in the corner, and were people going to pay attention to the, their bearings and and what did they use to get around? Um, one of the things we found is that local cues are way more important than the bearing, um, mm. like the compass in, in the top corner. So just stuff like that, it it, it really helps us uh, get a gauge for where we're at.
0: Nice. Is is there a map in there as well?
4: There will be. We didn't have it at the demo because we wanted to see if people could navigate successfully without the map and. uh, from the feedback we got, it went pretty well. So we're confident that once we drop the map in, that that should be the last thing we need. Nice. That's pretty. It's pretty nice you get to use the convention as
1: like your test audience. You know, you don't have to hire a test audience or something. You can just use that
4: convention wherever yeah, you want to be. It's invaluable. Uh, although I will say some people, uh, like some of our Kickstarter backers, um, they refuse to play it. Uh, because it's this mystery open world exploration game, so they were like, "No, no, no i mm-hmm. I appreciate it, but I want it. I want it t- that experience of when I'm going to play the game, uh, which I totally respect.
0: Makes sense. So, so they were like, "Hey, spoilers, man! I don't want to see any of that.
4: Right, Pretty right, much. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't almost- want the beta." Most of the people were were definitely into checking it out at least for a couple minutes just to get a feel for it and giving us, you know, some direct feedback.
2: For sure. So what's the what's the story of the game? Can you talk about that a little bit?
4: Yeah, so uh the main character wakes up one morning and he um he finds his son is missing and there's these ominous footprints leading out the window um and so he has to venture out into the woods and find out what took his son.
0: Got it. Okay. Oh, OK. So his son's gone and he just sees footprints and he's like, what the fuck?
4: Right. So so he's going to venture out into the woods and um, and, you know, I guess I don't want to give too much away, but uh, sure. he's there's there's different kinds of creatures that you'll encounter and you got to figure out, you know, which which are good, which are bad, um, who's looking to help, who's looking to hurt, that sort of thing. It's not just a straight run through like a like a Contra style, you know, where you just kill everything in sight. Uh, it's a little more tactical.
2: Oh, OK. That, that sounds intriguing to me.
4: So yes. there's some monsters that you don't want to kill that you might get penalized for, or uh yeah, not um, not necessarily penalized, but you might want to curry their favor. So okay. it's probably not a good idea to shoot them. Okay, you can uh, you can befriend them. The so like the old man in Zelda,
1: you don't uh, you don't want to stab him.
4: Yeah, yeah. So it, it, you know, there's only so much we can do with this, you know, on the NES. But we're trying to build in that uh, that sort of mechanic where if your actions have consequences, and so just killing everything could have uh, consequences that you uh, you know are not desirable.
0: Oh, cool! So it's uh, yeah, that's that's different. You don't hear a whole lot of that where it's like uh, there's there's a some some it's weighing depending on how much of the monsters you kill will actually change the story. Right, right, it's...
4: right. And and we're trying to drop you into a world where this sort of battle is already going on, mm-hmm. and so you've got to find you got to figure out what's going on and how the different creatures relate to each other
0: for sure so when we had when i had the interview with zach he mentioned a little bit of uh saying that full quiet's kind of more like survival horror is it kind of like would you compare it to like Resident, resident evil ish or like uh
4: yeah that's that's what we're getting some comparisons to uh our general approach to this is to not really look to the outside world for influence. Uh, you know, obviously we are influenced by things um, that we play and that we see, but we're not trying to build it like a certain other game. Um, but we are drawing aspects of other games that, that currently exist. And we think that Resident Evil is definitely something that's kind of uh, that we, whether we try, whether we want to or not, or try to or not, uh, a bit of that is creeping into the game.
0: Sure. Well, also like I mean, the way you guys are doing it and on the NES, like I mean, the Resident Evil type game like didn't even exist at that time. So it's really interesting, right? And that's why I'm hesitant to even like to
4: compare the two because I I I don't think it's fair to compare them. I I wouldn't want anybody to think that they're getting a Resident Evil game here. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, let's remember we're we're on the NES, but we're gonna we're 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 definitely including. Segments of the game that have that feel that some of the playtesters have said that that exact thing like oh oh survival horror this is like Resident Evil and we're like oh well okay
0: yeah I mean it's it, I mean it sounds incredibly interesting to me just like the whole just the idea of like doing it you know on, on that platform you know but like yeah and 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 you mentioned and Zach mentioned this before in the interview that I did at MGC it's like a saying like a you know like modern Modern gameplay stuff, but in a retro way, like on an NES cartridge. So, And I'm sure you guys are doing the same thing for this, you know, right? Where it's it may look like an NES game, but there's you have like the quality of life stuff in there. Right. We kind of we're trying more to push like a new that game. as far as we can. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you better believe if people had the influences during the NES days that we have now, they would have tried to do it on yeah. the NES. They would have tried to adapt things. I mean, I was thinking when you said Resident Evil, like um, they did do a Resident Evil on the Game Boy Color. So uh-huh. they managed to squeeze it right out there somehow i don't know if they're they're similar computing powers the nes and the game boy color i
4: know yeah, yeah they're, they're comparable um and i actually haven't played the game boy color one that that's not a bad idea for me, me to maybe go in and check that out but uh but yeah it's it's Definitely, like you said, if if people would have known about this genre specifically, they would have gone for it. Because there's a huge catalog of, of Famicom games that, you know, we're, I'm just scratching the surface of where they tried things that I never thought they did, like a head-to-head fighter, uh, stuff like that that I, I didn't know existed.
0: Were you? Uh, did you? Uh, did you pick up some stuff when you were at Portland? Like, were you guys there? Did you go shopping around at all, or was it just mostly not just one staying at thing? The tent? No. Um, okay.
4: <laughs> in years past, we usually have like three or four of us going out there, so we all can kind of take shifts and mm-hmm. go around and, and shop and buy some things that we want to buy. But it was just Tim and I out there this time, so we were literally stuck at the booth the whole time. Wow. Yeah, I For- think I met I think I met Tim when I was there last year. Yeah, t- Tim would have been there last year. Uh, he's the one that runs all of our social media. Uh, so if you've reached out to us o- online, uh, you want to talk to Tim.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tim. Uh, Tim emailed me and let and let me know when when the uh, when the game launched on uh, when when Haunted Halloween '86 launched on uh, X- on the Xbox One. Just oh fairly, right, just nice. That recently.
4: was just uh, a couple weeks ago.
0: Yeah. 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 For sure and it's on
4: steam i think it might have been on steam a little longer but mm-hmm. yeah steam was definitely a hell of a lot easier to get to
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i'm sure and uh jeremy jeremy just got it too on steam right
4: like, yeah i got 80, i got 86
1: on steam cool thank you thanks for picking that up oh no problem it's a lot of fun it's it's tough but i could see myself <laughs> like you know it's Got that old school charm where you just want to keep trying over and over again.
4: Yeah, it's it's an NES game, so you know mm-hmm. we weren't going to make it a walk in the park. But from the feedback that we've gotten, people have said pretty much what you're saying. Like it's it's tough, but it's fair, and and they they enjoy you know keep to keep they enjoy going back at it over and over again. I think
1: I got yeah, I'm to the first boss, and he's okay. Tough. Yeah, he, I've gotten him twice now, and he he runs me over with minecarts.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think like uh, like most games, once you find his tell, mm-hmm. he'll be pretty easy. Cool, but so far, I mean, he is—he's
1: very menacing. He he comes after you. You know, it's not like some random moving around. He's got some AI to him, and he's coming for you.
4: Yeah, a little bit. And That's what we wanted him to be—was sort of just a direct assault at you. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Make it make it much more difficult. Like where it's kind of thinking thinking on its own, so he, so it's harder to fool it. Right. Right. And and up
4: until that point you kind of control the tempo and the pace of the game right. the whole way through that first level and so we wanted to kind of strip you of that for the boss fight and just say, you know, get ready because he's coming.
1: The double jump feels good, I want to say. Like not everyone can do a double jump well in a in a game and it's a very satisfying thing when it works good when it works well and I think this is a game that definitely does that right. Nice. Thanks.
0: Isn't there isn't there some sort of kind of like a Mega Man mechanic to it where like you can uh, where you can get different power-ups at different times or like depending on what you cuz once you get to beat the bosses don't you get to choose like what sort of a power-up you get
4: so Yeah that, exactly so kinda, you get to yeah. choose though so it's not like a specific power-up is linked to a specific boss mm-hmm. um you you start off with if you're starting in in normal mode you start off with the um, the regular attack which is like Tammy does a flip kick and Donnie does an uppercut mm. and and then after the first boss – well, at, early on in the game, you get to choose your first upgrade. Yeah, you uh, find a beyond. piece of a map.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. you
4: go into the, the
1: house at the beginning. Uh-huh. Yeah,
4: so the, the powers are sort of tied to this map. And as you find pieces of the map, it gives you new powers or upgrades to the ones that you uh, may have already chosen.
0: And then depending on what you pick, that would kind of like change the difficulty of the game probably, right? Like on what you yeah, get.
4: Yeah, Chris, so Just definitely certain moves are cer- are better against certain enemies for sure. And uh it we we, we had to make it, of course, so that no you you know, you didn't require one specific move to get past a specific level. Um we just left it open and built it out so that you could get through the game any any way you choose.
0: Now uh didn't uh, Halloween eighty five didn't that premiere at Portland? Like, yeah a few years yeah, ago. Yeah,
4: actually it did. Um we flew out there with about 30 cartridges we we got the parts to assemble the cartridges that same day and and we jumped on the plane and we flew out there and we had, were assembling stuff in the hotel room and even into the next morning and then we set up and um like we said before to other people uh you know we weren't sure if that was going to be it make 30 copies of the game and be you know sell two and say okay well that was fun uh-huh. we'll go back to our day jobs was, 80,
1: was 85 on Kickstarter? No. Okay, I didn't think so.
4: Yeah, we, we didn't feel right about going to Kickstarter for that because we hadn't uh, proven that we could even do this. And, and, and to be honest, we didn't know up until we were getting on the plane that we were going to be able to pull this off, that it was all going to actually work.
0: Mm-hmm. How, how long yeah. ago was that? Like When you when that first one. How many years ago? Uh,
4: 2015.
0: Okay, so that's a uh, yeah because you you guys roughly do like one a year pretty much right so it was uh, well you, yeah
4: so initially we had thought you know if when we did the sequel eighty six we were trying we were going to try to stay thirty years behind the release of the NES so we we released eighty five because it was the thirty year anniversary of the NES oh, okay um, and and that was the month and the year that it hit U S shores. So that was kind of like why we were really pushing and – well, of course it was a Halloween game. So like October was Uh our deadline. Um, So we released that and then reception went well and we were like, know, let's try to make a sequel because now we have this under our belt. We kind of got our feet wet. We know the things we wish we could have done in 85. Let's do all those in 86. So we were going to just kind of keep rolling but – After 86, we were just like exhausted and needed to take a break and wanted to kind of step away from the series a little bit. And that's why we chose to go to go to full quiet for the next project.
2: Greg, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about like, how do you actually go about making a physical copy of an NES game in the year 2018? I have no idea like where to even
4: start You mean like the the parts for the cartridge itself?
2: Yeah, yeah, like all that stuff and the, the casings and all that stuff.
4: Yeah, okay, so it comes from different sources. Um we get the shells from one person, the labels from another person, uh the boards from another person, and we just kind of assemble it all ourselves. Uh the the trickiest part I would say is the boards. Uh and we go through Paul at Infinite NES Lives. Um he does great work and he's the electrical engineer. Um so he knows what he you know, he knows the chipset to put on the board to work with the ROM, what mapper we're using, how to make all of that work. And then he sends us the boards flashed with the ROM on it and we assemble it from there. there you, go, you just make it happen. <laughs> I per-
0: well, I mean, yeah. yeah. They have, have a they I have, purchased they know from your a guy.
1: booth. Uh, I think it was at the Midwest Gaming Classic two years ago or no, last year. but So a year ago this past April. But I got a chip maestro. Oh, nice. NES, and I yeah. believe I got it from your booth and that you were telling me about well someone it was probably Tim was telling me about how you know you have, actually have to put those things together you buy the parts and
4: yeah, so that was um that's a project we've been trying to get back off the ground uh we sold out of them and we it's it's just not that easy to keep that going and with all the other things that we're doing um we're we're really trying i I get emails all the time about people wanting a chip maestro so it, uh, you're uh-huh. you're lucky that you have one uh um, oh that's great, I love it. Because we just can't keep, it's just really difficult, I should say, for us to keep it going. And as much as we want to, um, it's just kind of hard to keep up with because it's not, I don't know, you know, when you're using it, there's no visual interface for it and that throws people for a loop. They're kind of not ready for what it actually is to be, you know, literally playing the, the sound card of, of the NES with a MIDI controller. So it's, it's kind of counterintuitive in a way. But once, once you get it, man, is it a fun little thing to play around with?
0: Oh, yeah. And for uh, for people who don't know the Chip Maestro, you like you like hook a keyboard into it, and it plays, yep. and it like basically plays through your TV, right? Like with the cartridge
4: through yeah. the NES. Yeah, you can play, but there's nothing visually on screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it so, just goes through the audio jack, so you could plug it into any uh,
1: RCA jacks on anything that had a receiver.
4: Yeah, a speaker or an amp or whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I one of my buddies actually DJs, and he has an NES in his rig and a chip maestro so he's got all these expensive keyboards you know two thousand dollar keyboards and a little nes sitting there so he can jam on the uh on a keyboard through the chip maestro and play some chip tunes a set yeah i actually ended up
1: buying the same you guys had an alessis q25 yep and and that's the that's what i took you know i snapped a picture of it on the show floor before i decided to actually buy the thing so later on when i was consulting my photos i was like well i should probably get this keyboard because i know for sure it's
4: gonna work it's it's nice and simple you pick them up for like 50 bucks or something yeah it so was cheap. Nice. yeah
0: yeah mm. yeah i had no idea that chi- the uh chipmeister was so rare like uh i know yeah i didn't know that it was, well, I don't, it was, I was sought told after I, and not I was available the fence about
1: buying it and you know i thought it was one of the best sales pitches if you know you even want to call it that but uh, like i said i think it was tim who said but you're going to be able to sell this for what you pay for it easily Oh yeah, yeah. Like I could probably just, I could probably sell it for more if they're not available right now. Actually,
4: you know, honestly, I ha- I haven't looked, but yeah, if you threw that up on eBay, I'm I'm not even sure what you what you would get because we have a huge waiting list for them, and it's that's that's something where it's, the parts are even diffi- more difficult to source. You need those MIDI cables. We have to hand assemble them um, and then troubleshoot and, and test and you know make sure everything's working and whatnot. Um, so yeah, it's just something that we haven't done a good job of keeping. Out there,
0: well, I'm sure Not it's a. About it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's a lot more complicated than like putting the than putting the ROMs on the NES cartridges because you actually have to like plug in plug in whatever in there and test out all the notes and whatnot. So it has like a longer testing process. Seems like like for, for yeah for, for, yeah and we, we like to
4: bang away at it for a little while and make sure that it's going to work. And then mm-hmm. there's all the troubleshooting. Somebody comes in with a two thousand dollar keyboard and wants to hook it up to this sixty dollar mm-hmm. cartridge. And you know, there's some steps we have to take to like shut off the MIDI sync and stuff, stuff like that. That's you know, so like handling the troubleshooting. It's not just popping the game in, hit and start. You know, it's yeah. a little different.
0: Yeah, there's a lot more to go through to, to make sure that it's working.
4: Right, like right, right.
0: That's crazy. But I mean, hopefully, I'm, I'm sure it'll show back, show up around again. Right.
4: But so though... we'd love, we'd love to get to it. <laughs> it's just a matter of balancing everything right now because sure. we're trying to, you know, keep. This ship going forward, um, you know, trying to reach new platforms like the Xbox One. We'd love to go to PS4. We'd obviously love to get to the Switch, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we'd also like to continue to develop new games. And so we have to strike that balance of, you know, how how much does 86 have left in it? You know, where else can we go with it? Versus start pushing full quiet or the next game that we have planned that we've been been brainstorming on. So it's you know, it's just striking that balance.
1: Uh-huh. Have you increased the size of your team at all or over the you know over the years as you've moved on to more like more complicated programming and stuff?
4: Yeah, actually. So for full quiet, uh, so Damien had done all of the programming up until now, and we started working with another guy to do a little bit of the programming for this for a part of it. This like puzzle sort of. It's a circuit puzzle thing that we're doing. Um, We also brought on another guy to help with the animations for this game Uh, because up till now I had done all the character animations and it's just too much for me to be able to design the characters and animate them and then play the role of the director and like piece everything together and – then do all the other side stuff like prepare for conventions and, and, you know, try to get to Xbox and things like that. So uh-huh. we started expanding. We're, we're always looking to work with other great people. That's, that's one of the things that, that I'm extremely thankful for is like how many great people we're already working with and how much it's enhanced what we're doing. So, uh, you know, we're always looking to work with other talented people in the community and, and you know, just see what we can do with this.
0: For sure, yeah, and uh, the more you make, the bigger the team gets and all that, what you're saying.
4: Yeah, with you know, within reason, I guess. It's, it's an <laughs> NES game, so it's kind of yeah. <laughs> this nice, sweet spot where you don't need a massive team to mm. make it work. I mean, we're seeing some fantastic games come out of two- and three-man cool. teams, mm. um, and it's, I mean, you know, nothing against, like, individual homebrew or one person sitting in their basement banging away for a couple of years on something. Um, you look at what Brad Smith did with lizard, like it's phenomenal. Uh, but you, now we're seeing, you know, twin dragons and micro mages and, and just these games coming out that look so fantastic and, and play really well. And, um, we just feel like it's this sort of this new era of NES homebrew. Mm-hmm.
1: I would say like, yeah, a small team makes sense for different reasons. Like, of course, when you're making something on your own, you're not really bouncing your ideas off anybody. You're just kind of following your vision, which can be good, but Mm -hmm. there could be something you're overlooking that someone else, just one other person being there could help you like Mm. improve or whatever. And then you also think about going more than a couple of people. You've got a giant studio. Then you've got way more opinions and way more people. Right. Things get muddied. Yep. Uh Yep.
4: That's it. Exactly. Jeremy, too many cooks in the kitchen. (laughs) It just doesn't work. You know, uh, we, I, I feel like we're, you know, we're fortunate enough to have this small team and, um, you know, we may, we'd like to branch out and work with other people, like I said, but always keeping projects within reason, not ever taking this so seriously that we're like, we need a 20 man team to make this Mm. thing, you know, you know, we're not trying to do anything that's, uh, that's beyond what, what what we feel is obtainable in the near term. And we're not trying to make these grandiose claims about anything. We just want to make good, fun NES games and help fill out the catalog, things that aren't there or weren't there, you know, back in the day. That's sort of our approach. So, like, where can, you know, where can we fill in the gaps in the in the NES catalog?
2: Would you ever consider moving on to, like, the like a Super Nintendo-style game or, or Genesis or... Something that's you know still conceivable that a small team could could make it, but if it's that retro style,
4: yeah, definitely it's. So the NES is is our absolute favorite console, I, I guess at least mine. I think Zach tends towards the uh, Super Nintendo, but in general, yeah, we just we love the era. Um, it's it's harder to step to the SNES because. All of the audio is wave files, so you have to record every individual sound yourself. You're not just you know programming for the the sound chip. There's obvious you know, there's multiple background layers, so you can't you can't just have one guy make the background rounds really. Like you've got to bring on multiple people to make you know up to four layers of backgrounds, and then the character animations are all way more intense, many more frames per animation, many more colors to play with. So We'd love to do it, absolutely, but it would just be kind of. We'd have to do a small game, I think, as a sort of a proof of concept, like to learn the ropes of the SNES or the Genesis, and then we could go for something, uh, you know, more license quality.
0: You, you might have to like double the team, right? Pretty much to to have something of a of that caliber, yeah. just because there's so yeah, much more to go into it. Yeah. All, right.
4: All right, yeah, there you go. I mean, um, two
1: channels on the sound too. I mean, that's got to be. Just making something from mono to stereo has got to be a major challenge.
4: Yeah, it would all be a new learning experience. So at some point we would have to say, okay, let's cut NES development so we can all go and learn SNES development yeah. or Genesis development. Yeah.
0: Which uh, I mean, I, I like that you guys are still making for making games for the NES and all that, and like the cartridges for eight for a hundred Halloween and eighty five, eighty five and eighty six look beautiful. Like, oh, I love thanks. I love the uh, orange and green. Oh yeah. That, yeah. That.
4: Yeah, yeah, we we really like the colors. Uh, that was another thing that you know we weren't sure how that was going to play because some people come up to the booth and they want to buy the games and they will not buy anything but classic gray. And you know, oh. God bless them for being purists. Yeah, uh, that's great. But other people, the majority of people, I would say, like the, the colored versions.
0: Oh yeah, you so know. so I guess you do you do do the, have to do the straight up gray ones, right, to cater to those people.
4: Yeah, we're always going to do classic great, just because of what it is and, and what it means to the the console and the fans. Mm-hmm. And seeing it blend in with
1: amongst a, a bunch of other NES games is probably kind of satisfying too.
4: Oh yeah, 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 for sure. When people send us pictures of like their uh, their game rooms, you know, and you can see your game up on the shelf mm-hmm. next to Metroid and those games, it's that's that's really cool. Are,
0: are is it st- is it still getting a whole? Are you guys still selling a good amount of eighty uh, six? like at these uh, at these conferences or like is there still a lot of interest in that game?
4: Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that makes the decision tough about where to, you know, when when does it lose its legs? Uh so far it hasn't, and that's really inspiring for us because we feel like um every time we we reach out to a new community, a new Facebook group, uh go to a new convention or whatever, we find new people who are who are interested and who have s- still, it amazes us that people have no idea that this stuff is even going on. Even with all the great homebrew games out there and people reaching out to all these different communities, every convention, there's people that are like, I didn't know people were making new NES games and we're like, yeah, there's uh-huh. a community of us. We're all, you know, we're all banging away at it.
0: Well, I guess in well, your the-
4: You seem like you're pretty supportive of each other
1: too, even if you are developing your own games. Oh, from, the, ab- from the developers we spoke to at
4: MGC. Absolutely, it's it's a fantastic community. We all get together and just you know hang out and and love to talk shop, and it's it's just a good time. We're we're very supportive of each other. Um, Nobody, you know, there's there's definite crossover. And you uh, to outsiders, uh, you could think like, oh well, there this person's taking sales from that person or stole an idea from this other person or whatever. But the community doesn't really look at it like that uh, at all, and we just kind of help support each other and push and push out as much as possible you know it's it's one of those things where it's so much stronger as a collective than any individual person or team could do so if if one person has success in one arena that's great they bring new people into the fold another person has success in another arena they bring new people into the fold and we all benefit from it
0: and a, and a lot and also when you you know as you do like a convention to convention like i guess There's always the possibility that that that's somebody's first game convention, and maybe they've never seen like a homebrew game before. They had never, you know, like when I first went to Midwest Gaming Classic, I had never heard of such a thing. And that was like, I don't know, four years ago, maybe like three or four years ago. And that was like, you know, I didn't know. So there's a lot of people who just just don't know about it. I had seen,
1: like personally, I had seen stuff on YouTube and whatever, but Mm -hmm. it still kind of seemed like, you know, it was in that same category as like those weird handhelds that people make where they like shrink an N64, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, to me, it was like the same thing. It was like this DIY kind of project thing that wasn't, I wouldn't say it's not that it wasn't legitimate, but that it was unreachable for me, you know? And then all of a sudden, not that long after that, I was at a convention where I could actually see these physical games and, hey, they were actually, you know, reasonably priced and, and there's different options. Like I, I do appreciate that, Eighty-five and eighty-six, I can get that on Steam. Um, I do want to get the cartridges eventually, but you know, in time. But yeah, it's cool. Yes. It's cool. I, I like the option to play it on a, a system I already have. Plus, Steam has Switch controller, the Switch Pro controller support. So I was able to play. Oh, it, it
4: does. Now, and sort
1: yeah. of, kind of feel like I was playing
4: it on Switch. That's <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Just, I, I appreciate that sentiment. That's very. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Just to... uh. It's, it's definitely one of those things, like I said, that we're trying to reach out to as many platforms as we can, but but it's that balance of where, what do we have time to get to, and while well, continuing to make games.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then keeping the momentum as well, you know, like for for yeah. like a, for full quiet and like a, you know the and what's the interest in eighty six and eighty five.
4: Yeah, and that's know? why what yeah. you guys do helps us so much because you know you bring this you bring attention to what we're doing and i know that the community really appreciates that sort of thing because mm-hmm. this is this could easily be overlooked there's so many modern games out there that just blow mm-hmm. you away um that it's awesome that people still take the time to you know like stop and look at what we're doing and and uh, you know have some appreciation for it so we we uh, you know myself and the community i know we appreciate this sort of thing
0: for sure yeah no I'm, i i i love that i love it when people like make new games for older systems. I think that's incredibly exciting. Especially like the Super Nintendo is like my personal favorite system and I always think it's mm-hmm. cool. And and you guys worked on that um re-release of of a uh, Street Fighter 2, right?
4: Yeah, correct yeah. with uh I M A pit and Capcom mm-hmm. um Street Fighter 2 and then we just finished up the Mega Man X and Mega Man 2 releases.
0: Yeah, no I think that stuff is really cool cuz uh you know i still have all of my old systems hooked up and all that and it's it's nice to see people making new stuff for for those systems you know and it's i think it's i think it's incredible and i'm and i'm glad that you do it and you know keep keep doing it and all that yeah
4: we're <laughs> in any way we can we're committed to keeping this cartridge gaming thing going and the stuff that we get to do with with capcom and i am 8bit we we personally love it and we love you know coming up with the cart colors and the redesigns of the labels and the boxes and stuff like that, talking back and forth. And what are the things that we most loved about these games? What needs to be in there? You know, we're trying to, um, pay respect to what, you know, what we think are some of the quintessential games of different eras. And, uh, you know, some people, it's not for them. Um, it's, it's a hundred dollars for a cartridge and, and that's just, uh, not reasonable for some people. And, you know, that's understandable, but we put a hell of a lot of effort, and love into these things so we hope that the people who do get them uh, can see that and appreciate it
0: for sure i normally ask this of all of our guests and i, I we kind of jumped right into the game so i didn't get to what is what's your favorite nintendo game or i guess like what's your favorite nes game since that's since that's your favorite system
4: Oh like uh, yeah like of so all time. that's definitely the better question is what's my favorite nes games because <laughs> that's pretty much all i play yeah uh so Metroid has always stuck out as as one of the best games, Maniac Mansion, mm. um, Rygar, and oh man, it's it's hard to to say which Mario game you like the best. Um, but I'm just going to go with Mario the original Super Mario Brothers because of how much time I wasted just breaking every block in the game I could looking for stuff.
0: Mhm. Is uh would you say that those games like had like a direct st- inspiration on uh Haunted Halloween '85, or was that kind of just just trying yeah, to fill a void where there wasn't where definitely there wasn't a like just that.
4: sitting down and thinking like, okay, how you know what does a character do in a game? How how high should they jump? How far? Um, what should gravity be like? What should the recoil be like? Uh, we definitely look to Super Mario Brothers and Rygar the most um, I would say for those for those things. So mm. some people think that's a little odd because we didn't look to the classic beat em ups like Double Dragon. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's not the type of game that we wanted to play. We wanted to really find a balance between platforming and and beat em up. So forcing the player to stop and engage an individual enemy um, w- didn't seem like the right approach. So we wanted to kind of have it uh, more like Rygar where you can Kill things if you want, but you can also play it as a platformer and just run through a lot of the game.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think a lot, a lot of those beat 'em ups, like, are kind of notorious for having like really bad uh, platforming when they do. It's like it's like that awful bridge and like level three and double dragon that you can like never get <laughs> oh, yeah. across. You know, yeah. yeah. It's so it's like that's definitely something that needs. there was a bridge too far. Yeah, I mean, it was. I always hated <laughs> that. that. That was always like the breaking point, I guess, for that game. But what it's nice to see a combination of. Uh,
1: <laughs> that door that uh or that thing in double dragon where you go up and you get stuck in the ceiling or whatever well
0: that's yeah that's a whole another thing but uh (laughs) but but yeah it's nice that you guys are able to add the uh the platforming to it, you know, so yeah. it makes it gives so, it a lot yeah. more. I've played, you know,
1: I've played a decent amount of this game, like I said, 80, uh, 86 especially, and you know, I played through it and got to the boss, and I was a little frustrated I had to run all through everything again. I mean, but that's old school. Mm-hmm. But then I realized I can just like speed run this,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and it actually was really fun because with that double jump, you kind of find yourself like finding out the patterns of when the bad guys are showing up and who do I want to fight to get a piece of candy corn because I need it, or do I just want to like keep going? And so it, I actually ended up getting back to the boss pretty quickly because I understood the lay of the level at that point.
4: Yeah, nice. And that's that's definitely something that we we tried to be strategic about, you know, where, where and when do we force them to encounter some of the enemies and where can you – like you said, once you just learn the pattern, you fly right through it. Mm-hmm. Now,
0: did the uh, now the idea for like uh to make a Halloween game that that came did that come from like your own uh I don't know from from liking like horror games and survival horror games and that type of thing or was it just kind of like
4: no it like came from liking Halloween
0: oh yeah okay
4: <laughs> yeah uh I love I've always loved Halloween Tim is an absolute nut mm-hmm. about Halloween and so there was that was the easiest part of the game development was like okay what's this game going to be about Halloween. Halloween okay yeah perfect. <laughs>
2: No, is no, that beneficial uh, for your for your marketing? Do you find that it's cyclical? Like, are you getting calls from other podcasts left and right around October?
4: Yeah, this is definitely the big time. Um, so it is good in that regard where we can have a big fall push. Uh, it does last through the holidays still. So that's really nice for us. But then in January, February, March, it's like, does anybody give a crap about a Halloween game? You know, some people do. It still sells, but it's not. It's not the time when we really want to, you know, push it. Um, so gotta get, it, gotta it's Got to get that Easter that. game going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just, just fill in the holidays, you know, every, yeah. one every uh, three months or so and we'd be good. Easter can be haunted too. <laughs> that's that's very true.
0: <laughs> I, I think you picked the best holiday because Halloween is great all year round. I, I mean, just think if you would have made like a Christmas game or something, like people might not want to play it all year, long, like that's for the true. whole year. Yes. At least I don't think I would. I mean Halloween. I think it's something you can play whenever. (laughs) (laughs) Even though it would be kind of funny if you guys had the time to do like a future spinoff that was a haunted other, you know, other holiday. You know, that just we we've
4: definitely tossed around that idea. Um, It's 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 not something that we're planning on right away, but yeah, we definitely tossed around that idea. Mm. Let
1: me tell you what: there hasn't been a Casimir Pulaski Day game yet, so. You might be able to create that market. I was going to say Haunted
0: Yom Kippur, you know, or something like that. That's way too obscure, but it would be funny. It would actually be be funny if there was one that just had all those other off-holidays. each level a different different holiday. Starting off with Boxing Day, we'll start with that. And go with
2: that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, what you know? Can I hire you guys for ideas?
2: <laughs> sure, <laughs> anytime, anytime.
4: Let's pay us
1: some NES cartridges. Oh yeah, there you go.
0: So uh, you guys, so you guys originally had a store, right? Uh, Cash and Culture. That's like where all this came from, correct?
4: Correct. Uh, so Tim and I started that in geez, 2004, I guess. Um, and we, we opened our first store and it just kind of kept growing. And then we opened a couple others. Um, and we've fought the battle of retail for about 15 years now. Uh Um, so it's weird for us because we're in this sort of transition where we have to focus on both things. Um, but, we don't want one to detract from the other. Obviously, uh, that's our day job, and that's what we have to continue to do. But there is a lot of crossover. It definitely helps to have retro gamers come into the stores and you know be able to play the game and like give us feedback. Uh, that's cool. We can. Promote other homebrew games in the stores. That definitely helps um, because that's one of the things that unless you get out to these conventions, you can't really try out these other homebrew games. Mm-hmm. So we try to stock as many as we can in the stores, and then if people want to come in and try them out, they they can uh, you know they can give them a go.
0: And where was the store based out originally? Was the
4: uh, our stores are right around the Pittsburgh
0: area.
1: Okay, is that kind of yeah, like I remember the interview? Yeah, I remember the trains in. Haunted Halloween. What someone we were interviewing at MGC said those were inspired by
4: the trains from Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, everything in the game is inspired by something locally.
0: Is that is that become like the claim to fame of the town? Then, like, did the, the, you guys came out of that, or, or do they do they know? I mean, is it... no,
4: uh, it's we're it's certainly <laughs> not big enough to be any sort of claim of Steelers any. Steelers retrotaining <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: it's I think it's cool. I mean, um, if I was from that town, I'd be like, yeah, hey man, we get we got this def- game, you know.
4: Uh, it's definitely something where, where, like I was saying, when um, early on the easy decision to go for a Halloween game, um, the the next easiest thing was the settings because we we were like, okay, here's what we want to include: the mall that we grew up going to, you know, we want to include the fields that we know, that the housing, the the neighborhoods, the playground, you know, like all of that stuff stemmed from our our childhood and even into uh present day
0: yeah i remember uh i remember us talking about how good the train looked in that in that interview early just like on any nes game in the way it moved but
4: yeah oh, no, thanks yeah and that has a lot to do with zach and his talents um and obviously, Damien and his programming abilities. You know, yeah. we we were able to put in like small tile rotations in there to create the illusion of like speed lines and the track moving, mm. um, the parallaxing of the sky and and stuff like that. So that was definitely something we worked on real early. Um, mm. Not just because it's a classic in gaming, right, the train level, but mm. because. We grew up next to trains, and you know that was something we wanted to have in the game. There's train tracks that lead right past Green Gate Mall that's in the game, so they had to be in there
0: for sure. Yeah, I mean, create create what you know or where where you were where you grew up in. It's a mm-hmm. adds yeah. adds a lot more. You know, makes it feel more lived in when you when you see it. You know, and all that because it's actually a real place. You know, it's not. Don't just they say stuff. that's
1: sort of what Miyamoto did with Zelda? That was like
4: kind of based off his came house him or Playing whatever. around his garden when he was a kid. Yeah, I heard something about, like, he he wanted to create that sense of exploration that he felt as a kid. That's what was the inspiration for Zelda, like, venturing off into the woods as a kid and finding mm-hmm. caves and stuff like that. Um, th- that's what I heard. I I, I could be totally wrong.
2: Mm. I heard that, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. Zach is the person legit. to ask those kind of questions, too. <laughs> yeah, sounds
0: legit. So, um, I mean, I'm sure you guys have plans for, like, an, a Halloween 87. Are you just going to wait and see way, the way uh, – full quiet goes and then kind of go from there
4: yes we've already been planning the next uh haunted game um actually we're we're kind of planning out two simultaneously and then we'll take whichever one we feel is is stronger and more uh more fleshed out at the time um when we're ready to pull the trigger on it but yeah as far as us trying to guess as to when we would actually start you know, digging into this, making it public, and and like showing stuff, um, that's still all up in the air. We we got to focus on full quiet. We got to get this mm. done, get it out, see what happens. Um, and and over the next year, we'll see what happens with eighty six. Whether we can get to PS four or, you know, realize the dream and and get to uh, an actual any or a an actual Nintendo console.
0: Mm-hmm. Is so you don't you don't have a, an exact date for full quiet yet, right for uh for release time.
4: No, these – so we did PAX in September and just did uh, PRGE and that was the the right amount of feedback that we needed. So over the next couple of weeks, we're really going to dig in and try to come up with um, a better estimate on when we can release because we've we've seen these ideas now uh, being played by people blindly and – you know, without us saying like coaching them through it, uh, but to see what they do with, you know, as if they're sitting in their living room and no one's going to help them.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And so far, it, it's it's been really good. So unless we see something crazy over the next two months, um, we should be able to figure out a pretty good release date. Like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to push into 2019, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't want to let this get out of hand here. You know, we want to we want to finish this thing for sure.
0: Sure when when it releases are you are you would you try to like uh, build it around a uh, like certain convention or or does that always that just comes together later once you get an idea of like what, yeah what i think that's, come out and all that
4: that's just too um it it's it's too much for us to try to plan for around a convention mm-hmm. it, it, that's that would be the smart thing to do and and if we had um, if we had more time and, and a bigger budget and we could afford to do these sorts of things, then yeah, that, that would be the smart thing to do for sure. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, it's just a matter of getting this done.
0: For sure. And you, you guys, you guys go around pretty often, right? I'm sure you travel to a lot of the retro stuff. I mean, I mean you've you been in every one that I've been to and, it, and the, and the Jeremy as well. Like the, do you guys, do you guys go around to a lot of them aside from, uh, I mean, you probably hit all the big ones. I just know of the, uh, Portland and, uh. Midwest and the Midwest gaming one.
4: And PAX, right?
1: And
0: PAX. Yeah, yeah
4: we do um, PAX East, PAX West, uh, Portland, uh, Milwaukee, and MagFest. Those are the primary ones that we do. But we really need, like, we've done too many games, um, and we really need to get out to some of these other retro gaming conventions. It's just, it's, it's a lot you know to travel to pack up a van full of stuff and try mm-hmm. to get out there and spend the weekend you know doing this stuff um, tr- driving eight, 10, 12 hours or flying across the country with limited amount of stuff that we can take and, and setting this mm-hmm. up and you know it's yeah. it's just it's it's time consuming and it's expensive and so we really just have to kind of pick and choose our battles
0: would, would you ever try to do like e3 or anything like that like the indie like the indie side of that?
4: I went to E3 for the first time this year, this past summer. Um, It was actually very encouraging. I I never dreamed that we would be able to do something like that. But from what I saw there, I don't see any reason why we couldn't go at it, Mm -hmm. Um, especially if we could get some sort of – collective of of of, yeah. of homebrew games you know i wouldn't want to just go out there with one game i'd rather go out there with with the catalog of game games or some other tech the chip maestro some new things that the community is kind of working on um you know something like that to kind of give it a little more oomph
2: yeah my friend and i actually went there we had a table at Indiecade. Which, uh, i'm not sure if you're are you familiar with Indiecade at all yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you know, my friend had a concept for a game called Max Duo and you know, we just got the table and, and we presented. Um it was it was a remarkable experience. Um nice. So there's definitely there's, there's avenues for, for independent games at E three. Huh. You know.
4: Yeah, if we could get into that IndieCade, that would be spectacular. That that would be much, much more reasonable for us because trying yeah. to get a single booth on our own would just be that that'd be a nightmare. Well,
2: like, our, like our table, you know, like we we, we, we went with a concept, not even a, a playable demo or anything. And we oh, were wow. seated right next to uh, the guys who are doing Replicate, those old mini mm-hmm. uh, those awesome arcade cabinets. Cabinet. Yeah, I
4: saw them this year.
2: Mm-hmm. And then we were also around the corner, you know, like two tables over from Polymega, which they had a playable, you know, obviously a complete version of, of, of their, their console. Yeah, and here we were. We, I was I was so inspired by that that they took us in just from a concept and let us sit next to these guys and the people that were walking by. You know, it's up. Uh, per Schneider from IGN. Um, we actually had a, a sit down with the head of development for for Vibe for Vibe for the wow. Vibe headset. Um, and all from that opportunity, just sitting with Indiecade. So I I can't you know. Thank them enough, I think mm-hmm. they were just a great avenue for for us
4: mm-hmm.
2: for yeah. our little idea for his little my friend's little idea,
4: yeah, it's a great thing that what they do to like you're saying to get people that otherwise have no means of getting to a convention like e three and getting them yeah. on the floor mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, and he didn't even have a he didn't even have a game, and you guys have a you guys have multiple games, so it's like, yeah exactly yeah. i mean it seems like a, it seems like a pretty easy good avenue to get to get in on that if you chose to to represent in that way. And I'm sure like for when, when some of the releases start, start coming to like the, to like the regular modern consoles, that would be, that would probably move, be the move for that, I guess.
4: Yeah, but, that uh, would definitely help.
0: But, uh, yeah, I can't, uh, I, I you know, I hope, I hope you guys make it, hope you guys make it to the switch. Um, I, I could see it doing really well on that. You know, it seems like, uh, exactly. It, well, it seems like the eShops have pretty, been doing pretty good for most people there, but especially like to see like, and I think the Xbox one, that was the first time, uh, a homebrew game had made it to like a to like current generation, right? As a like uh, you, you guys are the wow. first, right? That made that wow. made it to the uh, to the modern uh, internet shop. I, I
4: guess for uh, yeah for um, for NES homebrew, I would say definitely. I'm not sure if other homebrew games have made it there. Uh, maybe like a Dreamcast homebrew or something like that. Um, but yeah, I I think for NES that that uh, that we would be the first. Um and again that's that's one of the things that, you know, we we love to try to do because then that sheds light on what's going on here with the NES community and and hopefully people play that game and say, Oh, people are making new NES games uh that are pretty solid. I'm gonna see what else is out there.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that'll that'll turn them on to uh, yeah, to look at everything else. You know, yeah, as well. oh,
4: that's that's the plan for sure.
0: And and some of the people who make those uh, like uh, I'm sure, you know, you know, Jeffrey Wittenhagen, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, well, he was like actually one of our very first guests, like way back oh, nice. when I met him at uh, this Arcade Expo thing in Chicago. But uh, I know that like his book, like his NES book, like he puts like your games in there as well. And I, I think mm-hmm. that's I think that's really cool
4: like to put yeah, that in. Yeah, that's very the, nice to be included in in those yeah. sorts of things. He is a hell of a mouthpiece for the NES homebrew community. I mean, he yes. he really really digs in to these games and really appreciates them.
0: Yeah, I think that was about might have been one of the first times I had heard about it aside from even though I I think I I think I saw it first time at at, at MGC, but but he did did talk at great lengths about it and it's like that it was included in the in his complete NES book as like an official game and all that, yeah. Know, which it yeah. should be, of course, because it's an NES cartridge. No. I had a
1: fun question I wanted to ask, or he's kind yeah. of like a little bit out there. Um, so recently I figured out how to add games to my SNES Classic. Yeah. I was wondering if any of you had put Haunted Halloween on the NES Classic.
4: Uh, I have not. Uh, I don't know. Nobody has reached out to us letting us know whether they've done it or not either. But if you hear from hear about that, please let me know. I'd love to know if that works. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun to see. Yeah. Oh, that'd be yeah. Wow, that'd be really awesome.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you have the if you have the ROM, I'm sure it's pretty, pretty, pretty easy. I don't know. I haven't hacked mine yet, but I heard it's. It would have to to be an
1: NES ROM, which I'm sure it is on the NES cartridges. But I probably can't take my file from Steam and try to do that.
4: Mm. Yeah, I don't know what kind of mappers they have for the NES Classic. Um, Do they have Castlevania Three on there? No. You know, it's not on there, but I think you can put it on there. Oh, well, if Castlevania 3 works, then. I guess then I haven't tried. They should, then. Uh, ours uses a a, a more dumbed down mapper than that. So, um, if that works, then a Haunted should work. Yeah, I it's think
1: definitely worth checking out now.
4: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, please, if, if you, uh, if you hear about anybody, uh, doing that, pulling that off, uh, please let me know. Yeah,
0: we'll, definitely. Well, uh, if I see it, I'll, uh, I'll tag you on uh, awesome. Twitter. something. Well, awesome. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was great talking to you. Um, uh, I'd love to. I mean, I'd love Thank to you. talk to you again when it gets closer to the um, release of uh, Full Quiet because that that game sounds super cool. Yeah, so hopefully, sure. We're or, you
4: know, any anytime we can. Like I said, the this time slot is usually pretty good for mm-hmm. me. Sure. Um, but yeah, it, we're you know we're just trying to spread the word and and we appreciate the opportunity to come on shows like like yours and and just talk about what we're doing.
0: For sure. Um, oh, so just one more time, uh, where can they where can they find you, uh, our listeners? Like if they want to order the game or just your Twitter or whatever?
4: Yeah, RetroTainmentGames.com is where you can go to find out our information and pick up the games. Uh, at RetroTainmentHQ on Twitter is, is the easiest way if you're on social media to reach out to us. Tim is, our, like I said, our social media guy. Um he tries to respond as quickly as possible to all questions. Or if you're playing through the game and you want tips or anything like that, you know, reach out. Or or if you want to give us feedback, if if you you like what we're doing or if you think it sucks, please, you know, let us <laughs> know. If you think it sucks, just try to let us know why.
0: Be, yeah, don't don't be a dick on Twitter. Inconstructive you, <laughs> feedback. Yeah. yeah, that's all we <laughs> ask, right? Yeah, don't don't be dicks. Yeah, no, and I'll definitely put uh, links to to that in the in the um, details of the podcast. So if you look at oh, that, you you should be able to find it, and I'll tag you for sure as well on the Twitter.
4: Awesome. Th- yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I totally right, cool. appreciate this. Yeah, thanks. Thank you very cool much talking for talking to you. us.
0: Yeah, and uh, well, hopefully, we'll see you again soon at whatever the next uh, convention is.
4: We'll we'll be at MGC for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah definitely. We'll, we'll I'll be yeah Jeremy and I will be there for sure. Nice. So cool. All right. Thanks. Thanks, man.
4: Okay, Thanks see so you guys.
0: Well. All right. See you later. See you later. And uh you can you can find us at nintendomainepodcast.com. Uh we've been your hosts. I'm Trey Johnson.
1: I'm Jerry McKowski.
0: John Litter. And that's been our haunted Halloween episode, whatever number it is. 144, I believe. Um you know you can find our you can find videos and stuff of us. Youtube.com slash FingMater, F I N G M A T E R. You can also find uh, our streams at Twitch.tv slash podcast or Twitch.tv slash stack, right? Yep, so same as you, my Twitter. You can check check those out. It's Jeremy's Twitter as well. And, uh, you know, at Nintendo underscore domain, that's my Twitter as well. You can you can see all of our fun stuff. If you want to know, like, when the podcast posts, that's where it gets posted first. And also there's stuff up there about whenever we add new YouTube videos and stuff like that. And, of course, we do streams every Friday night, so you can come hang out and see those. And I try to do streams most of the time, fairly late in the night, early in the morning. So you can check out those late night streams as well. I'm trying to do, still trying to do some more of these Halloween ones before before the month is over. So check that out. And, uh, you know, email us at nintendomainepodcasts at gmail.com. We love your emails and we'll totally read them on the show if you write them to us. Or if you want to put some sort of crazy long comment on our YouTube channel, we'll read that too. So So go and do that and we will make you famous on the show. Anyway, thank, thank you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.
1: See you.